I'm sorry, Mr. Cross. I am the censor, and I will not allow this costume on the air. Why not? Well, specifically, you can see her nipples. I want to see her nipples. But this is a Christmas show. Well, Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples then. Uh, you, can, uh, you can hardly see them nipples. See, and these guys are really looking. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the opening weekend holiday top 10. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Everything from Die Hard to the first lethal weapon. I got a drink in my hand. I've been drinking since 45 minutes ago. No, no, not true. What? I'm having coffee and it's 9.30 p.m. <laughs> on a weeknight because that's how I roll. Oh, it's episode 65 of ho, ho, Opening Weekend. I'm Jason. I see you when you're sleeping and know when you're awake, O'Connell. And I am once again joined by my dear friends, Fred. And when he's dry and ready with Berman, I shall play. And Dan, can you fart what I fart, Matissa? And this week... We celebrate the holiday season by revisiting November 23rd, 1988, and the release of Bill Murray's Scrooged, a spin on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, as well as listing our favorite holiday films of all time. But before we get Scrooged, Fred and Dan, where were you as the holiday season was getting underway in 1988? You're one of those people, or I should say this podcast is one of those entities that I dislike so much mm. that I, and we're celebrating we're celebrating the Christmas holiday. We haven't even got to Thanksgiving yet. Fuck off. I'm always like slow. I know, but this will release down, after Thanksgiving. I know. This I'm will just release, saying. Hopefully. I'm a Scrooge. Well, duh. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're the duh part, all right. <laughs> You're the duh part. Yeah, I know. We're, I know. We're, 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 you know, but that's what you have to do. It's like, you know, Christmas episodes of TV show. They got to film it in July. And I know, you know, no, I get like, you. Listen, wow. it got very cold, very quick across the country. And as far as I'm concerned, as soon as it gets cold, it's Christmas time. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. You know, as long as I don't hear that damn Mariah Carey song until uh, once on Christmas Day, that's the only that's time my favorite. Be played. I love that, that is song. your favorite. I fucking love that song. That's a great one. It's a great we're song. Play, in fact, we're gonna play it right now in its no. entirety. No. In its entirety. <laughs> If I had balls, I would put the whole thing in its entirety there. <laughs> Why do you like that song? I don't like it. When did, it. did that come out in 1988? Let's talk about it. No, I think like no. 94. If I had to guess, 94, because I was on tour with uh, Biggs Rosati 
when yeah, I remember yeah, that why, being yeah. a big, uh, that was a big smash hit. I don't like um, it. The wife I, I love it. I can't stand it. What's your I'm favorite Christmas song from, <laughs> from 1988? From 1988. Uh, who the hell from 1988? Uh, R- I, I Red, like Red the, Wine by UB40. <laughs> We're Stars by Hearing Aid. That was the... Uh, Hearing Aid, that was like the heavy metal We Are the World. I think that might have been a little earlier than 88. <laughs> I, that sounds like a joke. That sounds no, like something that was just what? Do you guys don't know about this? Hearing Aid? Well, like, so it was like That's, Live Aid and it was Hearing yes. Aid. And it was to benefit people with deaf who were deaf. No, it oh. was you know the, the, the. I think this is earlier than nineteen eight. It's definitely earlier than nineteen eighty eight. But yeah, there was Bob Geldof to do. They know it's Christmas. Then right. you know. Then we did. Then the Americans did. We are the world. We are the world. Um, I think there was a country. Farm so aid. There was a farm aid. Farm aid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was called Hearing Aid, and Ronnie James Dio organized it, and it <laughs> was on. everyone from the world of metal. Oh, I had the documentary on VHS <gasps> for years. I I wore that shit out watching it. That's amazing. Oh, to me, literally never heard of it. We can be so. We are fire and stone. Yeah, we all want to touch of rainbow. The no. singers and songs will never change it alone. We are calling you, calling you. Well, you're going to play Mariah Carey. I'm going to sing this whole fucking song tonight. <laughs> we are shadows in the night. We are fire. We are light. If that doesn't make you want to send money to Ethiopia, I don't know what will. 1988. (laughs) Let's see. Actually, you know what I was doing in 1988? Uh I was getting ready to sing. I was doing what Hugh Jackman is doing right now. I think I was rehearsing a production of The Music Man. Oh, and were you Harold Hill? I was not Harold Hill. Who were the you? guy who played Harold Hill was a fellow by the name of Jason Ruggiero. And speaking of heavy metal or heavy metal-ish uh, bands, he uh, would, uh, to the dismay of the director, throw in little Axl Rose moves in the middle of trouble. No. That was like at the peak of Guns N' Roses was really huge. Appetite for Destruction had just come yeah, out. 88 was Guns N' Roses, yeah. Yeah. No, I was J.C. Squires, who was a member of the quartet. So I sang... <sighs> Ice cream. Just sang again, Jason. Sorry. You know what I sang? I'm going to tell you what I sang. I got in trouble in that show. This is sort of an infamous story. Mm-hmm. You, uh-huh. This happens every musical you do. You say sing something inappropriate yeah. and get in trouble. Who or you did you? Drop who your did pants. you? Did you show your balls to uh, the other members of the quartet? <laughs> Or to marry yes. the librarian or somebody. Yeah, that's why Harold Hill said we got trouble here in River City. <laughs> yeah, and he pointed right at you. Yeah. With a capital B, that rhymes with vermin that smells like balls. Um, <laughs> no. They said there's trouble in River City, and, and Fred was slowly peeing his pants. Just, like, <laughs> just urine spreading across his costume, uh, and he's like looking at the audience, like winking, his eyebrows going up and down, like, huh? River City? Huh? Uh, <laughs> get it? Get oh, it? God. What do you mean I'm fired? <laughs> No, we, it was the last show. So we were the quartet. Um, We were, it was four of us. It was me, Dave Koenig, Jamie O'Keefe, and Greg Basmajan. And uh, we sang in, and we we never, we never really got it right. Um, (laughs) The whole thing is that like Harold Hill is trying to teach us how to sing like a quartet, but we never really got our notes right. Or maybe I should say I never did. I think I feel like I always messed up one of my notes. 
But anyway, in the song Wells Fargo Wagon, yes. it's, oh, the Wells Fargo mm-hmm. Wagon is a blah, 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 blah. Like a Our line was, uh, we got some salmon from Seattle last September. <laughs> so I thought it would be hysterical. I can tell you already see where it's going. No. I thought it would be hysterical if on the last night we changed the lyrics. So uh-huh. I made a suggestion. And two of the guys, I think Greg and Dave were like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to do it. But Jamie, I believe, was saying, I think Jamie listens to the podcast sometimes. So if you're listening, call in and let mm. us know. <laughs> and uh, what, someone was like, all right, I'll do it. Or maybe all of them said they would do it. Regardless, when we got to the night and we all had like fake mustaches on or they mm. did, I didn't. J.C. Squires was a young buck. The other characters were the older fellows. Uh, two of them just started, didn't just like shut up completely. One of them started to laugh. I think that might've been Dave. He started to laugh so hard that his mustache started to fall out. So in clear voice, (laughs) I yelled to the back of the rafters because I was the only one singing. We got some semen from Seattle last September. No, no. no. And then the song went on, yeah. (laughs) That... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so you did How? that and nobody it did, and, and what happened what were the re- repercussions nothing it was the last it was the closing night of the show yeah but still, how i am working be- how i'm a working actor <laughs> i have no how many times have you clue. said the word semen in lion king how many times have you worked that in <laughs> i just love the idea that the wells fargo wagon would take the trouble to bring semen all the way from Seattle to I to River City, Iowa, because Fred needed it, and and it was available for the ordering. Because like Fred said, needed semen. it, yeah, because Fred no else, Jason Fred. required yeah. it. He's like, well, I this it's in the catalog. I guess I can order it. Oh it was in the God. Sears catalog. Yeah, next to uh, the Cloud City PlayStation. And 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 no one. Uh, okay, so it was the last show. You always do this sort of thing on the last show. You're absolutely right, Jason. So that he can't yeah. get fired. Yeah, exactly. It's like on the way on the way out the door. He's like right. he's like Homer, like lighting the bridge up behind him. <laughs> That's for employing me for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> Literally burning the bridge. <laughs> oh my god! No, I don't do it. I don't do that. So where much was anymore. this production? That was at Manhasset High School. I was so I was a junior at the time. I was a junior in high school. I see. Uh, I was a little upset because uh, this was the year that I came in with the giant with the mullet with the the long. Long hair. Oh yes. Yeah. Shortly I before the show, my parents forced me to get a haircut, so I got it short. Although it's still, I still got a little bit. I was trying to grow it back. If you look at pictures from the Music Man, which I have a couple, you can still see it. I'm trying to grow the party in the back there still. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Dan, what were you doing? Okay. Well, hang on. If I was, if you were a junior, then I was only a sophomore, and that means I too. This may have been the only time, gentlemen, when all three of us. We're rocking mullets at the same exact oh, time. yeah. Because yeah. I definitely had. Now, Jason, did you also have the gold chain with the cross? Yeah, we've talked about this before. I definitely okay. did. You did have that. Did. All right. And yeah, the, I champ- had the, mullet. the champion sweatshirt. The champion the, sweatshirt, yeah. the gold chain yeah. with the cross, the peach fuzz uh, attempt at the mustache, and then, you know, either sweatpants or not the actual Z Cavariccis because I could not afford them, but the fake versions of those which were ubiquitous at uh, places like, uh, you know, the mall or Spencer's or wherever you would get <laughs> such things. 
Oh, Spencer's was the best. <laughs> Spencer's was great. Do they still have Spencer's? Is Spencer's still a yes, thing? Yes, Spencer's still a thing. Where else are you going to get your black light Zeppelin posters and like right. and penis lamps? Yeah, you know? and Bob Marley's. Now, now it's all like Dunder Mifflin t shirts and stuff. Yeah, and see, uh, it's, you changed. Know, and, uh, it's changed. And, <laughs> It's changed. It's changed. Things have changed. The realness. Well, it's another, another time. Another That's time. A, you you right. got to go in there. Every once in a while, you got to go in there like a perv. You know, you're yes. them all wander around a Spencer's as a middle-aged man just to see what the <laughs> what's you know what's hip. <laughs> what are what the, the kids what, into? What are the kids wearing? <laughs> or you head over to Hot Topic, huh? You oh yeah. There. Yeah. Um, or Forever Twenty One. Now the <laughs> I don't go in there, but the or Lane Bryant. Here's the main. <laughs> Here's the me. Kumar I carry. Here's the main uh, <laughs> thing uh, that I remember at 1988. Crack. Remember crack? <laughs> <laughs> crack is whack. The, the that dr- was oh, everywhere. Yeah. I know, but the way you said it, you're like, you're fondly remembering <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. crack. Is <laughs> that... Oh, is that what you mean? Did Let's you try all reminisce. Oh, no. Nothing like walking down to your crack dealer wearing your Cavarici <laughs> jeans, jumping in your IROC Z, oh. and just, you know, banging a blow or two then. Oh, nothing like it. There Am was I a right? brief period in the late 80s where Spencer Gifts did sell crack. Just, right there. just little 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 vials up by the keychains, up by the register there. Oh, we got some crack from, some, from Cleveland last September. Wasn't that one of the original lines? We got some crack. Crack from that was it. Yep. Yeah. No. Uh, but remember, crack is whack, and all of the crack, yeah. all of the mm-hmm. everything was well, crack, crack, crack is whack. Crack. Was much later. That was Whitney Houston. But oh. crack is yes. Nineteen eighty eight was when the, I think they really started to. It was no coming. One said it crack was crack is whack before Whitney Houston. You're kidding. What? No one said crack. She invented the phrase crack is whack. She lived it. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me you don't remember crack. No, I've got to remember. We remember. No, I remember it. the crack like epidemic. But we doing it. Were you doing it? Was, it? <laughs> you're saying when you remember something, you usually have fond recollections. No, we talk about it like, oh, remember that Greedo toy? Or, yeah. oh, remember yeah. the Joe Dolce album? That's the way you're talking <laughs> about crack right you're, now. You're talking that about was like a Mexi Melt. You're talking about like something that you've <laughs> like ingested. Like the way we talked about arcade games a couple episodes now. You're like, oh, what was your what was your favorite drug to buy off the streets? Ah, <laughs> oh, I would go, I play Dig Dug. I do a little crack. I, a horse was good too. Man, uppers, Holy shit, playing Dragon's Lair on uppers like that's it. <laughs> that is good. That, yeah. is that, that, that actually works. That's the only way to beat the game. The uh, no, uh, I was so scared of drugs, you guys. This is the thing. I was so scared. And Nancy Reagan coming on Webster. Mrs. Reagan, I didn't know that you knew Mr. Drummond. I don't. Uh, I'm really here to see Arnold. Who talking about Mrs. Reagan? Oh. Fuck off. <laughs> and there's going to be red ones and blue ones and orange ones and this and marijuana and cocaine and just stay away from all that. Say no to drugs. And then boom, crack. And it was like, this is the worst thing that has ever happened to humanity. And you need to, re- if, if there's any drug to stay away from, it's this one. And it was terrifying. It was terrifying. Yeah, I don't, no, I not, did- not only did I, I didn't know anyone who even knew anyone who had touched crack. Like it was just all over TV though. I mean, it was everywhere. It was all over. It was all you heard about on the news is crack. Yeah. It was one of those things about like, it, it made you scared to go into the city because yes. you see, yeah, that's yes, what it was. I, I know what you mean. They, no they were definitely, they were really playing it up as like, it, yeah. it's coming to get you. 
Yeah, that's right. Crack is coming to get your kids. Yes, that's exactly right. And that's what I remember from TV. And it was all over the sitcoms and everything else. And, you know, what what character is going to come in? What, you know, cousin's going to come in on uh, on the Hogan family and and do crack in front of the kids? You know, it was like, what's going to happen next to Dudley? Will he be involved in crack? What's going to happen? He definitely was. Well, Gordon Jump was involved in Dudley's crack. But that was a a whole other very special episode. (laughs) Cue Mariah Carey. The other thing, speaking of going to the city, this was a fun thing I was involved in, not crack, but it was a fun thing I was involved in in uh, uh, high school, was the Urban Hiking Club. And there was this what? great, there was this great um, professor, Jesus he was a sociology Christ. professor named Mr. Christ, and he would, no, it was great. We would go in as urban hikers and you'd bring your comfortable shoes and you bring your backpack Where? and you'd Did get you on like the hike train. in Newark? No. <laughs> what do you mean urban hikers? We couldn't hike in Newark because of the crack. No, what we would do <laughs> is we would take the train, the the um the uh, uh, New Jersey Transit train into uh-huh. into Manhattan <laughs> and it would be and he'd be like he was the greatest. He was the greatest, Mr. Christ. Oh, so he's just like, like walking tours. Yeah, and he'd be like, Okay, today, Soho, Little Italy. And this and that. Here's the agenda. Oh, We're going to hit these places. Oh, We're going to go nice. to Vineros. Yeah. We're going to get a piece of cheesecake. We're going to go over here. We're going to get because he needs <laughs> city like the back of his hand, you know. And he's like, okay, this time, uh, theater district, and we're going to see a show at the end of it. And he would take us around the city, and it demystified, you know, what it did for me is sort of demystified oh, the, cool. the the grandiosity and the craziness of the city, and it sort of made it human and made it accessible. And that's that why, is very cool. yeah, and that's why when I got out of school, it was like, all right, I'm going to the city, and my classmates were, you know, were like, uh, the city that seems scary. And I'm like, it's not, you know, and and you know, obviously going to Hofstra, which wasn't that far and going in with you guys and everything. And it was like learning the city before I had to live there. And it was really, really, really fun. I remember we saw a, um, that's great taping of the show, Kate and Allie. Uh, remember Kate and <laughs> oh, Allie yeah? with chip. Chip was the little boy who Fred was at an audition with. And that's, uh, right. Don't you remember? Oh my you God. Remember Holy you told me that shit. about how depressing it was when you were at this audition and the kid, was like uh, somebody was like, "Have you done anything before?" And he was like, <gasps> "I was Chip on Kate and Alley." I forgot <laughs> about that. You are absolutely right, I Jason. You telling me about it, but right outside the West End Theater, we were at Hofstra, and you were saying, "Like, boy, this is a cruel." It was like the the dawning awakening <laughs> of like this can be a cruel business. Even Chip from Kate and Alley is having tough times. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. what was that for? You're right. I went in oh, for some. No. Oh my god! I don't know if it was yeah, a commercial right. or something, or maybe it was for a play. The yeah, so taping sorry. of that, what was the name of the show? Kate and Alley. Alley was in the, do you know where it was? It was no. at the Ed Sullivan Theater because it was oh, before. Really? What you call it? Moved in there. It was before Letterman moved in there. And that was really so cool because we, here we were in this wow, historic they taped uh, theater. that show in yeah. that theater. Oh, that's Isn't so that interesting. Something? Yeah, it was really, really neat. Yeah, so we were there we were in the Ed Sullivan Theater. So we did all kinds of fun things like that in the urban hiking club and mr christ if you're listening you were fantastic did you guys see a taping of uh father loves beaver (laughs) (laughs) was that playing at the ed sullivan theater (laughs) and no that's not a line that i made up in a production of the music man in 1988 (laughs) although it could have been (laughs) i know it it absolutely could have been and that's what i think all the time when i watch the beginning of scrooge i'm like that is that's the perfect movie for me at that age, because that's literally this is right like a month away from when I was doing 
Friday Night Live, the, the little sketch show that I wrote and directed in high school. And it's all that, right? It's all like little TV spoofs, like just ridiculous little parodies that are, you know, like two second long sketches that kind of go nowhere. But it just has like a funny title, very Mad Magazine-ish. And the fact that this movie opens with yeah. Father Loves Beaver, I was like, well, that's it. And we are very much like the stars of that Scrooge special because your buddy Hackett, Dan is Jamie Farr, and I'm obviously the Solid Gold Dancers. Oh, I don't, I don't know about saying. that. No? This is a little bit more like a Robert Goulet. I could see him being chased uh, by a that's gator. Right, but he wasn't in the he wasn't in the Scrooge special. Right, it's Buddy Hackett, Mary oh, Lou that's Retton. True. I'm a lot like Mary Lou. You're more of a Mary you Lou are. Retton, except yeah. that no ability to flip and uh, terrible smile and. Uh, <laughs> And hate America. Um, <laughs> Scrooged. Frank Cross is more than the youngest network president in television history. Call security. Have them change his locks and toss him out of the building. Oh, he's fired? It's Christmas. Thank you. Call the county. Stop his bonus. Watch out. He's a thoughtful boss. Thanks, boys. Get the nurse. A generous brother. What did he give you last year? Uh, I don't remember. A shower curtain. Did you hear him? I think you dropped something here. And a true humanitarian. I can't get the antlers glued onto this little guy. We've tried crazy glue. Have you tried staples? But his life is about to change. That was a good one. You are going to be visited by three ghosts tomorrow at noon. God, tomorrow's bad for me, Lou. As a matter of fact, the whole rest of the week is a washout. Bill Murray is Frank Cross, a wildly successful television executive whose cold ambition and curmudgeonly nature has driven away the love of his life, Claire Phillips, played by Karen Allen. After firing staff member Elliot Loudermilk, played by Bobcat Goldthwaite, who dares to question Cross's anxiety-inducing, ultimately lethal promotional campaign for a live Christmas Eve broadcast of Scrooge, starring Buddy Hackett, Mary Lou Retton, and the Solid Gold Dancers, Fred is visited by a... Fred? Hey! <laughs> I In wish, my dreams! I wish Fred was visited by a series of ghosts. Wait, sometimes. this Fred or Fred from Kate and Allie? No, Which Fred. One? This Fred right here. Cue Mariah Carey. <laughs> Frank is visited by a series of ghosts, played by John Forsythe, David Johansson, and Carol Kane, who give him a chance to reevaluate his life and right the wrongs of his past. Directed by Richard Donner, a curious choice for such a big-budget comedy, given that his career highlights included Superman, The Omen, and Lethal Weapon, Scrooged was a divisive movie at the time of its release, with some calling it too dark and mean-spirited, while others found it overly manipulative and sentimental. Over time, though, the modest hit, which earned $60.3 million domestically and $100 million worldwide has been reappraised as a Christmas time classic. Scrooge is also notable for being Bill Murray's first leading role in over four years following the mammoth, nearly paralyzing success of Ghostbusters, although he did appear in a beloved extended cameo as a masochistic dental patient in 1986's Little Shop of Horrors. Fred and Dan, what'd you guys think of Scrooged? Oh, is that why he says at the end, feed me Seymour? Because I couldn't figure that out. Oh, yeah. Is that why he says that? Well, he says it's just apparently that whole section 
was improvised. Uh, yeah. Not fully, okay. but there was a script for it. And he went so far off script that, right. <laughs> that critics and people who worked on the film have said it was like a nervous breakdown. It was like Bill was having a nervous breakdown oh my God. at the end of the movie. Yeah. But, I, but I, which I think suits the movie and the character and totally. a modern take on Christmas Carol for the, for a guy to have a, a total nervous breakdown, but it does feel like that. And uh, yeah, it he improvised really that along with a lot of other stuff. Um, wow. Yeah. Cause when he did feed me Seymour, I looked at Taylor. I was like, why is he doing little shop? <laughs> Completely forgetting. He was played the Jack Nicholson part. In yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 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 Oh, you are something special. You are something special. Um, it's so funny because people forget that all the time. They say, well, he took four years off between Ghostbusters and Scrooge. And that's right. true in terms of doing a, you know, a, a leading role or a leading credited above the title role. But, but you know, his performance in Little Shop is so great that even if it was kind of yeah. uncredited or, you know, paid at scale or whatever the hell he did, it yeah, still counts. About that. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? It's so yeah. iconic that it really counts. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. what'd you it think does. of this movie? Yeah, no, I love it. Um, it is, uh, you know, it, it's full disclosure. I, uh, I had only seen parts of this movie and I had only realized from after watching it how little of the movie I had actually seen. And wow. it was one of those movies that, you know, we've talked about movies from the 80s like this before that um, I think Dreamscape was one of those. And there were a couple of others where it's like, yeah, I know I feel like I've seen it, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like. I've seen enough of it and I feel like I've avoided it because of my preconceived notions about it based on the little bits that I've seen. And it's exactly what you described, Jason, in the opening of like, this is too dark. It's too far afield. It's too much of a reach. It's too, you know, it, it, it's just it's it's not pleasant to look at. It's not pleasant to listen <laughs> to. I don't feel like this is Scrooge and I don't I don't want to be engaged in this or involved in it. Now that I've seen the whole thing, I, I, I couldn't have been more wrong. Mm. It's a really fun and lovely movie. The script is clunky at times. I don't know if that's because Murray is improvising or because he's just taking a line and doing what he wants with it, which I guess is sort of improvising, ad libbing, whatever. But it's it's there's 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 a few times where I'm like, oh, that feels that feels like lazy writing or that feels like it's just clunky, you know. But overall, the thing works, and the thing that hooks me in the most is that ending you know when he's like go buy somebody a sandwich go to you know go give somebody a blanket i had tears in my I eyes was i was like this absolutely this time. works i mean yeah. it always works for me this time for some reason it, it i think when i was younger and first saw it i think i also was like oh is this kind of a weird ending is this sticking the landing and i like it more every time i see it and it, the other it, night it hit me like a, a fucking ton of bricks for some oh, yeah. reason. I thought yeah. it was beautiful. I thought he it was great. It really hit me, and I was like, okay, this this sticks landing big time. If you believe in this spirit thing, you, you the miracle will happen, and then you'll want it to happen again tomorrow. You won't be one of these bastards who says Christmas is once a year and it's a fraud. It's not. It can happen every day. You just gotta want that feeling, and if you like it and you want it, you'll get greedy for it. You'll want it every day of your life. And it can happen to you. I don't, I believe in it now. I believe it's going to happen to me now. I'm ready for it. You know, uh, I think there's flaws in it for sure, but it, it, it ultimately is a winning uh, uh, movie. I, it, what, what's fun is to sort of chart the path. I didn't realize it was Ghostbusters, then uh, uh, Little Shop, and then this over the course of, you know, four years. And so he's at a really height of 
of superstardom here. And and but what you what you see here is the glimmers, the little glimpses of what you're gonna see in Lost in Translation, Rushmore, um, uh, Groundhog yeah. Day. This is basically the same story as Groundhog Day. You know, curmudgeon. <laughs> learns how to be a good guy. You know, it's the same arc, but it's handled with so much more deftness and subtlety. He doesn't pull any faces in those movies. He's pulling a lot of faces in this. There's a lot mm. of muggery in this, and it could just be, you know, Richard Donner well, choosing the most muggy sort of takes, but yeah. you know, he's doing some of that here, but you get these little lovely little glimpses, um, especially in the stuff with Karen Allen, which is really, Great. really lovely. And you get those lovely little glimpses of like, Oh, there's the Bill Murray, we now know and love from all these other great performances. Yes, yes, you know. he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah go apparently, ahead, please, uh, Donner and I, I was reading a lot about this, and I'm sure you you probably read this too, Jason. Donner and Murray did not get along, and there's oh. there's a an interview with Roger Ebert, and I actually I found it and I read it where where Bill Murray basically comes in and is like, "Why'd you give uh, Scrooge a bad review?" And Roger Ebert's like, "Well, I didn't think it was that good," and he sort of explains why. <laughs> And Bill Murray says, he's like, Donner didn't get it. Donner didn't know it. He just wanted me to be louder. I, I thought he, he said, he goes, I thought he was oh. deaf. He kept saying, play it louder, play louder. And wow. I think he said, there's maybe, maybe one take in the entire movie that I'm happy with. That was actually mine. Was oh, my wow. thing. So, oh, um, wow. Yeah. Wow. And you so think Donner is very broad and satirical. Okay. That makes sense now. Donner is not a. Comedy. It's so weird that it wasn't John Landis or Ivan Reitman or Harold right? Ramis yeah. who directed this. Yes, because that Richard Donner so is a great even director. Ackroyd. Ackroyd would have had a blast with this. You yeah, know? but it, but Donner hasn't really. I mean, he's directed great supporting comic performances in other yes. things. You know, Joe Pesci in The Lethal Weapons, or mm -hmm. or Ned Beatty and Gene Hackman and Superman. Or I mean, he has. It's not that he's humorless or doesn't have. Right. You know, but I think this is like literally the only pure comedy. Uh, let's not forget the toy, the oh, toy gentleman. The right. toy. And I got to tell you, there that's you what I, when I was watching this movie, I, I find this movie to be very, very disjointed. I don't know how yeah, I feel is. about it. It is. You're right. Uh, I'm not really sure. It left me a little cold. I don't know. I need to talk through this. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I was saying, I'm like, is Richard Donner a good director? <laughs> I really had to think about it because I'm like, I don't. I don't really like what's happening here. And then I was trying to think, I'm like, well, okay, Superman, or Lethal Weapon. I've thought about The Omen, which I don't really remember much of, but then I thought about The Hilarious, toy, The I Omen, thought, hilarious. <laughs> but I thought about, I, I was just thinking, I don't know, maybe, I, I don't think he's the guy to direct a comedy. You're yeah. absolutely right, Jason. We know John that Landis. From the toy. The toy is a mess. But that's what I mean. Well, that's what yeah. I mean. It's such an odd Landis thing. was I the guy for this movie. This gig. Yeah, John Landis would be right. perfect. Because I guess they were looking for somebody who had some sort of a fantasy background or a special effects background, you know, mm -hmm. wanted mm -hmm. all those pieces in place, which again, Ivan Reitman after Ghostbusters would have been perfect for that. Oh, yeah. Either, you know, guy. so I just really I yeah, I kind of don't get it. I don't think I saw this. When it first came out, I don't right. remember. I don't remember if I saw it in the theaters. I, I I don't have a recollection of it. I may have, but I don't have a strong recollection of it. Uh, maybe I saw it soon after when I was on cable or, or on, it came out, you know, on VHS. But I remember seeing it. And I remember even, I remember enjoying it at the time. But there's something about Bill Murray that there are times, and we talked about this when we, when we were, talking about quick change. And I think we were talking mm -hmm. about like the different phases of his <laughs> yeah. acting career. A 
And this was, you know, he does this feigned indifference thing, um, which I think sometimes when maybe he doesn't have the right director or the right script, it almost comes off as bad acting. He doesn't, I don't think he looks great a lot of times. And I think it's because, yeah. He won't commit to it. If he doesn't like it, he won't fully commit to it. And it doesn't wind up helping him. (laughs) And it seems like he's, you know, it's interesting because you sometimes, you know, we were talking about uh, Keanu Reeves and Dracula last time and I was talking about how on my friend's laser disc they had that editing program where you can see all the different scenes and yeah. you know sometimes you watch a movie and you're like well was that the t- you know was that the best take or was that just the take that the director chose or the editor chose like who chose who chose what like sometimes it is the director taking the best take you know and in, in the Keanu Reeves case it was finding the you know, the best take the out only of usable a, take. A, a bucket of shit. <laughs> I have offended you with my ignorance. But with this, it, it does look like Donner chose like some really bad. I, I don't know yeah. if that's the case, but from what I was reading for what Bill Murray was saying, some of the choices that he makes, they're so big and, but they don't seem grounded in anything. And it's mm-hmm. not, I don't know. I didn't find it as funny as I did in, in, in Ghostbusters necessarily. It just seems like he's, because maybe he's not on sure footing, like you said, Jason, he's just throwing shit out and maybe like Donner's saying, you know, be bigger, faster, funnier. I don't know, but that it it plays, it comes off. So, and then, it, you know, the way the movie's structured, to, like the beginning's fantastic. I was howling, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, this is sharp satire. Seven o'clock, Psycho sees Santa's workshop. Eat this. And only Lee Majors can stop them. The night the reindeer died. Nine o'clock, IBC presents America's favorite family in a special Christmas episode. Hi, Mom. Where's Dad? Should have been home by now. Well, Wally, I know your father is out chasing beaver. Father loves beaver. Here on IBC, you'll love it. And then when John Forsyth shows up as the ghost, it seemed to come out of nowhere. I wanted a little bit more supernatural or magic or something. It just, it was so sudden. We're like, oh, now we're in this world. That yeah. being said, I feel like once David Johansson showed up, the movie really kicked into gear for me a bit more. Well, I think that stylistically that scene seems to track with what you guys are saying Donner wanted, you know, which is a broader take on Scrooge, a, a broader satire, a stylistic, uh, a stylistic big swing, you know, and that's certainly what he's doing with that opening with the Lee Major stuff yeah. and Robert Goulet floating around. And, and certainly by even saying Buddy Hackett as Scrooge, you know, we are taking a big satirical with Jamie mm-hmm. Farr as Bob Cratchit, you know, and Mary Lou Retton. I mean, in, in the middle of it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, so it's broad, wanting right? to be stylistically very, very broad. And it seems like what's happening is your lead actor is not being um, given the reign to be uh, uh, truthful w- within that. So you got to kind of do one or the other. And the mo- movie is trying to do both at, at, at random times. It's sort of floating between them. I think the loveliest scene in this and the scene that Donner should have been like, oh, there's my movie, is when they're looking at the Kama Sutra, 
you yes. know, wh- wh- oh, yeah. and that's Absolutely. a beautiful, you know, loving, lovely, fun, subtle relationship scene that that develops character that grounds us. And they are very grounded in it, but grounds us in their humanity. And it's like, well, there's your movie, because you know what? The, the moment that grounds the Scrooge story in his humanity is when he looks back at his relationship with Belle. You know, in all of the versions of Scrooge. And it's like, that's the, that those are the scenes that make me, you know, connect with Scrooge as a human, finally. And she's gorgeous, Karen Allen. Yeah, she's, she's so beautiful. God, she's, she's so more, beautiful. She's more beautiful. That's, this is like the height of her beauty. It, yeah, she's that even smile. more attractive yeah. even than in like Raiders and stuff. This is like seven years later. And she's just so, she's, so, yeah, she glows. She really does. Yeah. Glow. She's glowing. And they yeah. have, they have incredible chemistry. It's they wonderful. really do. They are yeah. great together. Oh, God, are you all right? Oh, you know, you, you probably shouldn't oh. move some of these. You had a bad blow to that. Where did I get you? You got me right here. And the sidewalk got me back here. Oh, it's going to be quite a lump. I'm sorry, here. Those scenes, the, the whole Christmas past section is probably the strongest section of the movie. Um... Johansson's great. All those, you know, that's it's always really the mo- that's kind of the most powerful part of uh, of of the Scrooge story, anyway. You know, him going back to seeing himself as a boy, as a, agree. a young man, seeing his love relationship, and I think this movie really get like I think I actually think Murray for having such an uncomfortable time of it and not really gelling with his director. I think he gives a pretty great performance in it maybe in spite of himself and maybe he doesn't like it but i really think (laughs) i i could pull out dozens of moments that i just love and they go from the ridiculous to the sublime they are like you know like some of the big stupid jokes and some of uh the way he and any good scrooge does this that the enjoyment of seeing himself at, at the younger age at the height of his the romance with uh, in in Christmas Carol, it's Belle, and and in this yeah. film, it's Karen Allen's character. That him enjoying watching scenes from their past and giggling at it and remembering, like, oh, this great night we had together. Oh, the funny thing that happened when we met. He does a beautiful job with that. And I think what happened there at the end is, I think he went so far afield. And I think it's again true for the character, right? He's guys showing up, and the cameras don't know whether they should be, you know, like stay on them, stay on them. It's very much like the end of Tootsie, right? Where it's like, yes. you, you know, it's like a live mm-hmm. performance and there's a control room full of people who aren't sure what to do because this is being broadcast <laughs> to the world. You don't know what the live wire guy at the center of it all is going to do. And I think Murray probably said, look, I'm going to, I'm only going to do stuff that makes this mine or as close to mine as possible so i'm mm-hmm. not gonna you know i'm not gonna give you 12 takes of that line or that you know that mm. speech i'm gonna go and i'm gonna have fun and i'm gonna have my emo- i'm gonna have my emotional breakthrough here good bad ugly whatever it is i'm gonna i'm gonna get there and i'm gonna do it and it may be weird and it may feel because i do think it sometimes it like i said it worked so well for me this time and it's worked better and better for me probably every time I've seen it, but I remember mm-hmm. the first few viewings being like, I don't know, what is this? What is, what's happening here? Uh, and I, it's great. It's a good feeling. It's, it's really better than I felt in a long time. I think it's a great, I think that speech is 
like beautifully off the cuff and and uncomfortable, and you see him struggling with it. It's, it's very obvious. It's totally unpredictable. It's very unpredictable. I just, for me, I wish it was more earned. I didn't feel like it was earned. I loved it. I thought his performance on that speech was yeah. great, and like. I didn't know what he was going to do. And it really felt that like, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it's just him saying, I'm going to, obviously I'm going to do what I want to do. And, you know, just grasping for words and nothing, none of it seems, you know, too overly saccharine to me. Mm. I just wanted more from the rest of the movie to, to get for me. I wasn't, I wasn't cheering behind him as much as you guys were. I I mean, he's such a son of a bitch through so much of it. And I, I, which is, which is Scrooge. Right. But when you put it in a modern context, I think it, we see it differently, you know, when it's a period piece and it's like, no, you can't put more coal in the stove. I mean, there's something, (laughs) (laughs) there's something Uh, different about, uh, I think the biggest thing is like his, his name was lumpy, but he didn't speak any Wookiee. Oh God, uh, I know. That, that bothered me. You know, he never visited Itchy. When she first calls him lumpy, oh my God. I was like, wait, say, wait, wait, say what? Oh my God. Lumpy for first time listeners is the name of Chewbacca's son. Right. In the Star Wars holiday special. Go back and listen to episode 30. In an early draft of the script, Karen Allen's character was Nala for an an early draft. (laughs) Well, she she did wear an apron apron. with nothing else on underneath. Uh, I did find that Karen Allen, as lovely as she was, she did seem to forgive him and fall back into very heavy affection for him very fast after 15 years of not seeing each other. You're right about that, Fred. That bothered me as well. It was like, oh, we're right back. Okay, it's that quick. It didn't bother me because she was clearly carrying that torch for, for 15 years. And, yeah. It just and, went uh, there. They're already like yeah. right off the bat. They were like really close and hugging. Like I wanted to see a little bit more, uh, like a, more of a, a tenuous, like, yeah. it's great to see you. It's, but it's been a while, but you hurt me. Uh, but you that's really part and parcel me. of this whole, exactly, Fred. I wanted that too. You're, I think you're exactly right. And that's part and parcel of this whole movie is, are we going to go for the truthful human story or are we going to go broad? And and because we are pendulum swinging back and forth between those two things and not really landing anywhere specifically, you know, uh, for the for for the length of the movie, that's why it has this disjointed feeling. Uh, but again, you know, I, I I still think it works. And this the stuff that, you know, it is imbalanced, but. Part of the time, the stuff that works best for me is the broadest stuff. Like, I think my favorite stuff in the movie is the stuff between him and Carol Kane. I'm pretty sure oh, that's, that's my, fantastic. my favorite stuff in great. the movie is that, you know, I love the scenes between him and Karen, Karen Allen. But the Carol Kane stuff is just so hilarious and winning. And it's because she's brilliant, first of all. And her oh, whole so point good. of view is like, I'm helping you as I'm abusing you and destroying you, you know, is such a funny point of view. And she's so so completely committed to that and her outfit looks so cheap and shitty and it's so funny to me sometimes the truth is painful frank uh-huh. but it's made your cheeks all rosy and your eyes bright the stars if you touch me again i'm gonna rip your goddamn wings off okay oh, you know i like the rough stuff don't you think and i gotta say i could you could you could cut 
fucking Bobcat Goldthwait out of the whole movie. You, could just you don't him need right him. Out. He was disappointing. To, when he first started, I yeah. wrote down, I literally wrote, oh, I really like what Goldthwait is doing. It's a new performance from him. Yeah. Right. And then yep. he just goes back to his usual shtick. And, right it's fuck, and that it's, might be Donner too, being like, oh, we hired yeah. you to do the police academy guy, you know uh, what I mean? Who knows? Yeah, but I mean, you already have the, uh, you know, uh, Alfre Woodard is the, is the Cratchit, the Bob Cratchit doppelganger. Yeah. And, you know, and you don't need, I, I don't know who, I don't know who Loudermilk is supposed to be in the, in the, you know, in the Christmas Carol story. I don't really think he has uh, an equivalent. So you really don't need him. You just no. don't need him on top of everything else. So. And Alfre Woodard is so great. And because you have Bobcat Goldthwait in there, she, her story ultimately gets kind of short shrift. And You're the, right. And the focus sort of goes over to the sun. And Alfre Woodard's character doesn't even get an apology at the end. And she doesn't, she doesn't get the, okay, I'm going to promote right. you and double your salary. That goes to Goldthwait. Oh, right. well, so, yeah, so it's almost like they split that character into two. Unnecessarily right? into yeah. two. Yeah. And it's like, why did you do that? You have Alfre Woodard, who is fantastic. Give yeah. her all of that, you know? I enjoyed watching it. It was just, I, it was very obvious that the movie didn't really know what it wanted yeah. to be. Or maybe just, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know the guy personally. I didn't know him, but I, I sort of put the blame on Donner. You know, because yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if he was the guy for the project. I put the blame on Donner, on Blitzen, a little oh. bit on Vixen, <laughs> somewhat on Cupid. Which is a great segue to our top 10 Passover movies. <laughs> Mine is... Seder anything. Seder anything. How many shears for Scrooge? I'm going to go 7.5. I'm 8.5. I give it a seven. <gasps> yeah. Okay. I thought you would have been fair. a little lower than that. For I was, you. I was saying it about going lower, but okay. you know what? It isn't, it's, I, 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 I felt very Scrooge-esque in my discussion <laughs> of this, this movie, uh, because I did enjoy it. It was, yeah. it's fun. It's a yeah. fun movie to watch. It's very, you know, it's light and Bill Murray and Carol Kane is great and David Johansson. So, yeah. so I got um, some stuff in the, we got some stuff in the mailbag. Do it. My mailbag. Oh do yeah. It. Open your yeah, sack Yeah, but this is us. from, this is from, um, we got a lot of stuff from our episode, what was it? Episode 63, the Terror in the Isles and the, the Terminator oh, wow. was a good one. episode. Well, one, we got a lot of people got back to us about their favorite arcade games. And apparently. <gasps> yes. We were all dumb kids because a lot of people loved Tempest and were really good at Tempest, what? which is crazy. We were talking about how we didn't understand Tempest. These weren't the older kids. Were these people writing in? Were they the older kids? And are they still the older kids? I don't know. They might have been. One of the stories, but like people said, I'll, I'll read you a great story um, that, that I found pretty fantastic and sort of like seems like it comes right out of an 80s movie. Mm. Uh, Matt Neely Oh, yeah. Wrote in about, you know, Matt Jason. Of course. I didn't know he was. He wrote. said, uh, in fifth grade, I spent a night at a campground in Cape Cod with my friend and his dad. They had an arcade and there was this older kid with a dirt bike who was bragging about his skills. He would say, <laughs> they call me Dr. Tempest. 
it was so absurd. So, of course, as my buddy and I were leaving, we had to yell out, ooh, Dr. Tempest. He was pissed and jumped on his dirt bike and chased us through the woods till we escaped by hiding in our camper. I mean, that just sounds, that's like right out of an 80s arcade movie. But yeah, people mentioned Tempest, uh, Dragon's Lair, Donkey Kong Jr., Space Ace, Dig Dug. uh, Track and Field was one of the games that was in the the back of that Tiamo's place that I was talking about. Galaga was a big one. Mm Mm-hmm. Zaxxon, Joust, Spy Hunter. Zaxxon. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah, I, I remember Zaxxon. Zaxxon. That had good music, I remember. Zaxxon, I think, was, yeah, you fly and shoot stuff, right? As yeah. I remember right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dig so. Dug, you mentioned Dig Dug. That was a cool one because anyone could play it, really. It was a slow-moving game, and little kids like us could play it and, and be, you know, more or less okay. Um, with it, Zach's not like the big like scary that. Tempest. Yeah, Tempest was like big, scary, and crazy, and, and fast moving, and you're spinning, spinning, spinning that thing. Track and field was great. Track and field was great. Yeah, I remember that, that one. Great now, game. I and, forgot and, about it until my friend Malcolm mentioned it. Yeah, and, you, and you'd be hitting the buttons as fast as you can. That was like a, a that really was a physical test because it was like you're 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 you would be sweating by the end of it because you really did have to like athletically, <laughs> you know, go on those buttons or else yeah. you would not be you know you would not be running fast enough to do the little jump. You track. couldn't throw the javelin as far as you wanted to. That's right. Um, speaking of a javelin, a javelin right through our collective hearts. I spoke to uh, one of my coworkers, Pamela Bullock, who I needed to bring this up because I was telling her about the podcast. Somehow it came up. No, 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 I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know how this came up. It, it, it was uh, uh, it, it just somehow the, the movie came up in conversation. I think she loves Super Mario Brothers, the movie, <gasps> not the video game. And then I think Finally. I mentioned you're killing me. I don't remember if I mentioned that as one of the movies we did, but I'm like, you are the only person I've ever met who one has seen it and two likes it. (laughs) Well, that's great. So that's uh, that's good. Go back. Yeah. Go back to episode two Two. folks and listen to the disappointment in Jason and I as Dan (laughs) raves about Super Mario Brothers. Pamela Bullock. Okay. First of all, her name is, is Soulmate, she, Dan. Is soulmate. She, well, that's what I was going to say. Is she single? Oh, no, wait. I'm married. <laughs> I'm happily married. She's um, not. Second of all, uh, Pamela, if you're listening, you're right. Don't <laughs> let anyone tell you any different. It's a good movie. Absolutely. But she knew lines not. from the movie. There's no, she, of course she, she knows did. it. Because it's good. You Listen. can't, you don't even know lines from the movie. She, clearly she Come was over like, here, Luigi. That's clearly a line in the movie. <laughs> hey, let's go down the pipe. Not that pipe. That's another line that was cut, the second part. Who are you, Mr. Puka Kuka? Boom. That's another I, line. I did say, you haven't seen Baby's Day Out, have you? Because yes. I thought if that was, she has not. She never saw it. Well, okay. When she, does, Pamela, when she does, Pamela. Pamela, haven't, you know. Curl up beside the fire, light a fire in the house, curl up with a blanket and your loving husband or spouse and flick on a little, play, put on a little baby stay out. You won't be disappointed. It'll become a holiday favorite and a holiday tradition for you, you and get out of yours. Is that, is that on your list? Is that on your top 10 holiday list? Baby stay out because it's just any top. day out with baby is a holiday for you. That's Dan. a holiday. Top 10. Try top two. Boom. It's right up there. <laughs> that Ouch. takes us to our next movie. 
baby's <laughs> holiday out. No, that's not. They never made that. They 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 wanted to. They had plans, and then <laughs> and then that thing happened to all of us. <laughs> happened on all of us. Is that what you said? <laughs> no, I said happened to all of us, but part, oh. parts of it happened on us. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, what else is in your mail sack there, Fred? Is that it? Just a few. <laughs> I got uh, just uh, there's so much in my sack, but unfortunately, it's uh, coming from Seattle <laughs> right now. Oh boy! Oh, uh, boy. I'll give a shout out to Ken McGee, who's another coworker of mine who <laughs> randomly started to listen to the podcast. Had Good. no idea oh, how that I was part of it. Oh, and this is a funny thing, and I think I mentioned it to you guys. He saw a poster of it that I'd put up in the theater. It was like, mm. oh, this looks like it's up my alley. Started oh, to listen oh. to it. And he was giddy because Terror in the Isles is one of his favorite movies. He has it on DVD. That's right. And I was like, wait, what? I met him after your show, right? Oh, you and did? I, That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It's free on YouTube. You tell me you didn't have to buy the DVD? He, bought, he must have bought it like a long time ago, oh, Dan. I see. Oh, I understand. He didn't buy it last week. Like saying, <laughs> I got to have Terror in the Isles. <laughs> wow. Finally. But, uh, but thank for, for all for all our new listeners. Thank you. For, for checking yes. in and sticking around. I don't know if you're going to after this episode Why? or what they happens. But oh, because my sound quality was so poor. Well, that's, The sound you know. quality, the semen in Seattle, the quality. crack. Yeah. <sighs> crack quality. If you, let's, let's, let's just be open and honest. Let's say right now, people are listening. We have been doing, this is our 65th podcast. Wow. Jason yes. was doing a good portion of the podcast with his mic backwards. So it's a free country. I'm a person. So that's why. Apparently, yeah. There might have been some sound issues. Maybe we're all good now. Could so be. just in case, <laughs> if you're if you're wor- if you're worried about Jason's voice, we might all we might cut this. But Look, you know, you can cut I this. have such a, a booming baritone. I'm sure it went clear round the other side of the microphone and made itself heard. <laughs> it's a it's what we like to call in the business. A vocal reach around. <laughs> you won the contest. <laughs> call that the slingshot where I'm from. <laughs> it's our Thanksgiving. It's our Thanksgiving gift to you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, that brings us to we, our t- what? Shall we? Do, shall we, we do? What? No, I was going to say, are we? Pe- are, you're about to go into it, so I'm now ruining the segue. But are no, we penduluming? We'll just, are we penduluming? Oh, yes, we should okay. pendulum. Right. We should okay, pendulum. My thanks. Uh, unless we just want to rattle them off because it's 1130 at night oh, here in Nueva us. York. Um, help us all. Yeah, we should sling the shot round. <laughs> um. <laughs> Slingshot around the sun, you're in time warp bones. I'm sorry, I had to go right into Star Trek 4. Double dumbass on you! That's a great holiday movie. Um, also right. a Thanksgiving, well, also... Uh, a, a Wednesday before Thanksgiving release, much like Scrooged. Paramount Pictures in the 80s, they had the the market cornered on the hot Thanksgiving movie. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving, they had 1986, Star Trek IV, 1987, (laughs) Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, 1988, Scrooged. Boom. Do you get a Wednesday before Thanksgiving release after the vocal reach around? (laughs) Absolutely. And then you're ready for the stuffing. (laughs) Oh... That I mean that that's that's as good a, that's as good an intro as any to our top ten 
favorite holiday films. Cue Mariah Carey or something else. There are other Christmas songs, but you won't hear them on this episode. Here, forty to fifty samplings. Oh God, help us! Yeah, you're gonna have to listen to it, Dan, because you have to approve the episode, and so you're gonna have to suffer through it. And you can keep skipping ahead, as, but you might. Who you'll never know how many seconds right. of the song I'm using. And then right. you'll be like, "Oh, I missed something. Maybe I said something that could get me fired. That could get." Uh, uh, you know. Now I have to go back, and then you'll be like, God damn it, Mariah Carey again. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for all of us. Um, my, I'll start. My number 10 favorite holiday film is the music video for Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. There's not much to say about this one, so I'm just going to, I think I'm just going to play it in its entirety. No, no, kidding, 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 kidding. Uh, should, should I start? Should I start with Go ahead, time? start it Yay. off. Start it off. No, wait, before we start, I do have yes, one thing I'm to so say. Sorry. Yeah, I, please no, do. no, 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 no. Uh, or 10 uh, things. The, 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 the do we need to talk about whenever we do our list, we need to talk about parameters. Sometimes oh, we sure. talk about parameters. The only parameter that I gave myself was it had to be a movie. Now, <laughs> when you, when you oh, look at um, a lot, I of only have short stories lists and that are out, <laughs> you look at a lot. I only have songs from music, man. The only, when you look out at these lists that I are have out other there, episodes these, of our podcast, <laughs> is that not how this works? <laughs> these ubiquitous lists that are out there. A lot of them are like, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, 1966. It could be know, whatever you all want. All these Dan. great, you know, just Charlie, episodes, Charlie yeah. Brown Christmas episodes of TV, which are great, are awesome. But do you have any of that on your lists? Because I don't have I, that well, on we mine. We can't spoil it. Oh, but you okay. can, so you, you can have your parameters however so you, you want to do it. All right. Uh, I agree. If you're, I, I do not have anything like that on my list. Okay. I love all of those things. Me too. I but I didn't even think of them. All of those things, and I I especially love uh, 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 Santa Claus is coming to town. But hmm. um, that's kind of my favorite. But uh, uh, we- I ignored everything because I'll be honest, right up front, I, I this was a hard list for me because I'm not a huge holiday moving well, fan. Right. It was. We so, were saying before the episode started, before we were recording, I was like, you know, spoiler alert. One of us is Jewish. Anyway. Uh, Wait, what? I, I, Fred, oh. I, I hate to break it to you. I knew it. I knew. Oh, oh, I feel dirty no, now. But, uh, but I didn't I, know I was working with no, no, Fred, it's me. Oh, it's me. Right, right, right. Yes. No, but I was like, I was like, are there any Hanukkah movies? And I do remember there being no. this Hanukkah cartoon, this Adam Sandler animated movie, Eight Crazy right. Nights, yeah. which I've not seen, but not that seen was it. the only one that I could think of. And I was like, yeah, that, I'm sure for, for J- Jewish kids and st- like holiday, mo- are they, are they a thing? Are they even like, I mean, I know there are some that right. are like classics that, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, but I'm sure there were a lot that you just wouldn't have watched as regularly as as Dan and I might just because what you know what I mean? Like a Christmas movie isn't necessarily a staple in your household. So, yeah, I, I would imagine that it might be a hard list. 
Yeah, there were there was definitely a sense of at least you know for me growing up like these weren't movies that we we ran to because it felt like yeah. we were you know other this this was this was yeah. a world that we weren't invited mm-hmm. into really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, you know, I've gotten over that, and um, <laughs> you know, the takeover of Hollywood was complete. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So what's your number ten? Mine. <laughs> Eight Crazy Nights. No, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I've never it. been a fan of Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song. I'm just going to throw it out there. Ooh, never liked I it. I don't really yeah. like it either. No, I never liked like it. I like his stupid turkey song either. I think he has qualities that I that I enjoy, but not his, he's no, uh, you know, he's Loved no, him in Punch Drunk Love. Go back to episode yeah, or whatever it was. And, and I'd like to that. see Uncut Gems, but I think it might be too yes. intense. It's good. <laughs> might, might be too intense for me. I'm a widow baby. You'll be um, fine. Number 10. For me, number 10 is White Christmas, which is a movie I had not seen until it's a recent discovery for me. Saw it in 2015 on like AMC or something. And uh, and I was like, all right, all right, I'll watch it. And Kate and I watched it and I was like, I, I watch it every year now. I watch it every year. Yeah, and it's yeah. And it's a movie that's not really all that much about Christmas, you know, Christmas is the backdrop for the beginning and the end. And, and of course that famous song is a part of it. And, and it's so enjoyable. It's a great performances by Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney. I mean, it's a fan. It's, it's just, it's so beautiful and sumptuous to watch. Mm -hmm. And the Christmas, the Christmas elements are very, very moving. And, uh, yeah. And I, yeah, I just think it's fantastic. And I, and I'll say this has nothing to do with Christmas or the holidays, but there is one scene that is like a masterclass between Bing Crosby and, and Danny Kay, where they're having a discussion. They're, they're two uh, in the dressing room. Performer. They're in the dressing room. That's yeah. a fantastic it's scene. An amazing yes. scene. And the physical, it's one, it's one take. Score of it, it's one take. And they're, changing clothes after a show and the the patter the timing of it the physical choreography of what they're doing basically just I'm two so guys I'm so glad you're bringing that up Jason It's fucking fantastic I can't take my eyes off it I did a, a national tour of of White Christmas the musical and I didn't have a great experience right. doing it it was very different so I only recently and I seen clips of the movie I only recently started I I, I didn't finish it I didn't have time but I watched it and that scene it's very different I was like oh this this is very different than the the stage version sure. but that scene in particular I thought this is fantastic. They're so great together. Yeah. And it just yeah. went on and on and on. It was just one shot of pitter patter dialogue. I'm so, I'm so glad that oh, you brought yeah. that scene up. It's kind it's of great. My, it's kind of my favorite thing in the movie. And it's not like a singing or dancing scene, not at all. which was th- another thing that was so impressive to me about it. Yeah, it's great. It's great, but it is, it's just, a, it's just a, a, a totally charming movie. And, and you know, for years I'd seen people say oh, it was a Christmas staple for them. And I was like, really white Christmas. And, but yeah, now that I've, now that I've made it part of my Christmas rotation, I really do love it. So that's my, yeah, yeah. that's my number 10. Snow, 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 snow. Snow. It won't be long before we'll all be there with snow. Snow, snow. I wanna wash my hands, my face, and hair with snow. Uh, who wants to go next? Who wants to oh, be in the middle of the pendulum swing oh. this time? Who wants oh, to? God. I'll go middle. I don't think yeah. I've ever been in the middle I before. You, I don't know if you have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Fredo. What's your number 10? My number 10 is a movie that I 
just saw recently and I loved. I was doing a search because I was like, fuck, holiday movies. (laughs) And a movie popped up. They're like, this is sort of an untraditional holiday movie. And it's a movie that I really wanted to see. It's a movie and I highly recommend everyone seeing it. It's a strange one. It's a movie called Tangerine. It's by Sean Baker, who I've mentioned on this podcast before. Sean Baker directed me in uh, his first movie that he ever did. Uh, I think the title now is called Four Letter Words. That was a movie in several episodes ago. I talked about growing the beard and then I had to put on yes. a fake beard. Mm-hmm. And um, But he he really, um, he's made several movies. His biggest one was The Florida Project. Which oh, it's so out. good. I love so The great. Florida Project. So Tangerine is a movie that he made before. It's filmed all on iPhone 5S. Oh, yes, yes, I heard about this. Yes. yes. And it's wonderful. It's it's about cool. black trans sex workers played by actual black trans sex workers. And it takes place on Christmas in L.A. So it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie because mm-hmm. it's in L.A., you know, just sort of like, you know, Lethal Weapon or whatever. Like it's yeah. Christmas in L.A. is a different thing. But it's 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 a beautiful, super funny just great movie. Highly recommended wow. just in itself. But it struck me as I'm watching it thinking, okay, well, why was it on that list that I saw? And I'm thinking, well, yes, it does. It takes place on Christmas. So mm-hmm. there you go. But it's really, it's a holiday movie about marginalized people who yeah. are left out of the holiday movie narrative. Why does he owe you money? We made a business transaction. <laughs> business transaction. Okay. This is what's gonna happen. Christmas Eve, we're gonna go our separate ways because I think that's a lot easier than calling our family and trying to explain why we have to be bailed out of jail. Family. Uh, it's great. I, 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 I'm I upset at myself that I didn't see it before. I remember when it came out, I got rave reviews. Yeah. So uh, as soon as I, I, you know, I, like I said, I saw it on the list. And it just made me think, I need, to, I got to watch that regardless of if it's a, if I'm going to put it on my holiday movie list. Uh, but as soon as I saw it, I'm like, well, that, that's going on there. Oh, so that's great. Tangerine by Sean Baker. Very Fantastic. cool. Very cool. I need to see it because I loved Florida Project. I loved everything about that movie. I thought it was so great. Um, awesome. Uh, my number 10. So I go 10, nine now, right? Yes, you do, baby. Oh, fabulous. My number 10 is uh, Elf. Uh, directed yes. by John Favreau. Um, I think this has now b- really become a Christmas classic, I think. I mean, everybody oh, yeah. sort of throws it on at Christmas time. It's a really, really fun one. It's funny. Will Ferrell's hysterical in it. I think my favorite thing about it is uh, the great Bob Newhart and and how oh, yeah. just wonderful, <laughs> wonderfully yeah. kind and gentle and, and hilarious he is in it. He's been one of my favorites uh, uh, forever. And I just love all of those scenes uh, where he's <laughs> sitting on his lap and little tiny Bob Newhart is, a, is an elf. And <laughs> it's he, so and cute. Little it's Ferrell's really gigantic. Good. Well, as silly as it sounds, a lot of people down south don't believe in Santa Claus. What? Well, who do they think puts all their toys under the tree? Well, there's a rumor floating around that uh, that the parents do it. That's that's ridiculous. I mean, parents couldn't do that all in one night. What about Santa's cookies? I suppose parents eat them too. Yeah, I know, I, I know. And every year, less and less people believe in Santa Claus. I mean, we have a real energy crisis on our hands. I love that it also does a little nods to the Rankin and Bass stuff, you yeah. know, uh, in the beginning with the narwhal and the yeah. the sort of um, oh Burl Ives ish, you know, snowman yeah. uh, at the beginning. I, I I adore it. It's really a lot of fun. 
Um, number nine for me is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, yes. That is a fun one. I know you just saw it fairly recently, yeah. Brad. You hadn't seen it before. Um, that one's in regular rotation, uh, as is White Christmas for that matter, and and Elf. You know, and at Christmas time for us, um, White Christmas didn't make my list, but it's it's one of those ones that that is uh, constantly on in the background as we're baking cookies or doing our Christmas things. But Nightmare Before Christmas is, you know, obviously you, you kind of have to settle in in a different way <laughs> for that one because it is so dark and weird and Tim Burton-y and um uh uh you know uh the music is not you know christmas music really it's it's very creepy and strange but it's a beautiful movie uh so that's why you can't you can't you can't be doing other things while that's on because you kind of can't take your eyes off of it yeah, and true. um and uh, uh you just want to sort of get enraptured uh by it i've never seen it on a big screen i've never seen it on a big fancy tv our tv's not so you know great i mean it's it's great but it's like not you know it's not a big yeah, fancy new like, like close or anything like that yeah. i'm dying to see that this movie on a big you know um very sharp um looking uh, i would love uh, it. they do picture. they do now presentations where danny elfman conducts an orchestra yeah and does the oh, music oh so which cool that seems like it would be incredible that would be so I fun i saw it that. in three D, I think it was 2007. They did a re-release that it was in oh, 3D, wow. and I, I saw it that way. And yeah, yeah, no, it's great. It was on my Halloween movie list yes. <laughs> when I, uh, you know, back uh, last year. But uh, yeah. yeah, I love. Is that it movie taken too. from anything? Like, is it no. or is it a totally original story? Totally original. It's totally brilliant. Original. It's yeah. a brilliant, brilliant story. And and you know, y y there's really nothing else like it. Where it's like we're gonna have one hol holiday invade another holiday it's yeah. a fantastic idea it's a great concept and i love that movie fantastic fredo what's your number nine my number nine is an old old classic that i watched so much as a kid it was always on tv march of the wooden soldiers oh, with laurel yeah. and hardy oh my god it brings I back i mean god i haven't seen it in ages but i i, I looked up some clips on youtube and, was, and it all came rushing back it was my, on constant rotation, and I always watched it. I wasn't a huge Laurel and Hardy fan. It. My mom loves that movie, and it mm. was like her favorite, something she remembered from her girlhood, and she would always like be like, is it on, is it on, is it on this year? Yeah. We'd scan the TV guide uh, for it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's what me and my sister would do. Yeah. We It was always on. It was always on like WPIX, yes. and I remember watching it like at my grandparents' apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, you know, I wasn't a, a huge Laurel and Hardy fan. Like, I always liked Abner Costello because they hung out with like, you know, the Universal Monsters and whatnot. <laughs> But they're great in this, like all the characters. Silas Barnaby is the, the bad guy. He always scared me. And uh, Bogeyland and the Bogeyman really scared me. It's, I mean, it's it's freaky looking. There's a monkey who's, uh, no, sorry, yes, there's yes. a mouse who's supposed yes. to be like Mickey Mouse, but it's played by a monkey in a mouse costume. <laughs> it is so, so weird. creepy. Like it the so three creepy. little pigs. Uh, uh, uh. Um, and then I remember the, like the, the big battle at the end with the toy soldiers against the bogeymen. Yeah. I just remember as a kid, I just always, it, it was freaky and weird because it was in black and white. And I, they had these things, um, Laurel and Hardy, I can't remember what they were. They were like, these snap things they, they had like paddles and that's how they would fight against the bogeymen where they throw them in the air and, and hit them with the paddles and they would explode. And I was like, Oh, I want that. So <laughs> it just, as soon as it popped into my head, it just brought me back to childhood. My number nine is a very, another very popular uh, Christmas film. It's a, I think it was the first to, to be the, uh, 
the focus of one of those 24 hour marathons that they've started doing in the last 10, 15 years. It's a, uh, it's Bob Clark's a Christmas story from 1983. Uh, I remember seeing it on opening night in 83 and then they re-released it the following year in 84 and I saw it on opening night then too. And, oh. uh, and then, uh, it, you know, it's been a, a staple in our house. I've seen, I, I, I watch it less frequently now than I did for, you know, for a while there in like the eighties and nineties, but it's still a, it's still a great movie and it's a great, you know, it's a great portrait of, of childhood and that period of time when you're still, yeah. you're still obsessed with, with Santa Claus and what you're going to get on Christmas morning. And of course, you know, Peter Billingsley as, uh, as Ralphie, the, the hero Perfect. of the film, who's perfection you know, in it. He's, he's perfection. so, he's so brilliant mm-hmm. in it. And, and the whole cast at Darren McGavin's amazing as, as the dad, the old man, I think he did, he's only credited as the old man, the right. old man yeah. Melinda Dillon as the mom, you know, it's, it's famous. Oh it's famous for the leg lamp, you know, the fragile. There's fragile. so many, there's so many lines and images that have become so iconic from the movie but but the you know and one of those is the the line you'll shoot your eye out and the image <laughs> of santa claus i remember from the the earliest advertisements you know uh, ralphie on this you know this oh, yeah. big like uh, uh slide in macy's or gimbals or whatever and santa claus the the department store santa tapping his forehead with his boot and knocking <laughs> him down oh. the slide oh, oh. oh. It's great. And it just seems like a great, like kind of black comedy Christmas movie moment. But what, what I love most about it is it's so it speaks to that moment. And we've all had these moments where, where you, you plan and you imagine whether it's, whether it's going to Santa Claus or whether it's like the girl that you like, or whether it's the job interview or the audition or the whatever, where you're like, you, you obsess over the thing you want to say and you know how you want to say it. And you've got your moment and you, and you're there in front of the person and you just freeze up and you can't do it. And you don't understand why. Is that (laughs) damn kid talking about the tin man on the line? (laughs) I like the tin man. man. (gasps) We say that all the time around the house, but it's, it's, fantastic that moment where you're like oh no 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 i blew my big chance and then yes. when he turns around and he stops himself on the slide and <laughs> works his way back up. Up. <laughs> it's just fantastic but the, but the whole movie's great very very funny uh very moving in places it's just it, it gives you the, the warm fuzzies from beginning to end so yeah, yeah i love a christmas story uh, that's my number nine my number eight home alone home alone is uh i i think it's I don't know that it's a great movie, but it's one that I love revisiting at Christmas time. And and again, only pretty recently in the last 10 years, I kind of rediscovered it. Uh, I can specifically tell you when I had had a wisdom tooth pulled in December of 2012, right around the time Kate and I had started dating. And I was on all these meds, all these meds. And it was December and I'm lying in bed and she's like, well, let's watch Home Alone. She puts it on the laptop and I'm watching it and I'm like, yeah, this is a great movie. I really like Home Alone. Wow. I actually turned to her and she, she made me chicken soup or something. I was like, will you marry me? She always says <gasps> the first time I proposed to her was like a couple months after we started dating when, you were when high I was high on kite. like Vicodin or something. But so, wow. so, so I remember watching it again. And I was like, boy, I haven't seen Home Alone in a long time. This is great. Now I'm not saying that you have to be on drugs <laughs> to enjoy Home Alone, <laughs> but I'm saying <laughs> the drugs made me, uh, you know, take another look at it. And, uh, and then, and then, <laughs> And she was like, oh, I really love Home Alone. So we started watching it 
each Christmas. And I'll tell you, if only for the scene in the church between Macaulay Culkin, who's wonderful, and the older next door neighbor that he's afraid of. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Robert Scott Blossom is the name of the actor, the the old man next door who's estranged from his son and his granddaughter, who uh, you know, who everybody says is like, oh, you know, we we all had this again. Another throwback to childhood. There's always like the the one person in your town is like, oh, the, the the crazy old man or the crazy old cat yeah. lady or something, you know, that everybody avoided the house or tells stories about, and that's the this character in Home Alone, this uh, this neighbor that everybody's afraid of and Macaulay Culkin's afraid of, and he actually sits down in the church pew next to him on Christmas Eve or, or, or the week of Christmas Eve. And there's beautiful John Williams music playing. And they have like just a really beautiful, simple, heartfelt conversation. And it brings me to tears every time how this elderly man learns life lessons from this little six year old boy or eight year old boy, whatever he is. It's a great, great scene. And I just for that scene, I would put Home Alone on this list. We lost our tempers. And I said, I didn't care to see him anymore. He said the same. We haven't spoken to each other since. If you miss him, why don't you call him? I'm afraid if I call him, he won't talk to me. How do you know? I don't know. I'm just afraid he won't. No offense, but aren't you a little old to be afraid? You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid. My number eight, I'm going with Gremlins. Ah. Gremlins, which surprised me. I didn't know if it was going to make it on there, but as I was thinking about it, I'm like, no. It's a great goddamn Christmas movie, if nothing else, because it just flips Christmas. It's, it's, you know, I rediscovered it when we did it on the podcast, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, a, a, a year and a half now, whenever it was. Episode three, I think. I think episode yeah. three, yeah. And that was the first time I'm like, oh, it's just, it's a dark twisted it's a wonderful life (laughs) you know in so many ways yeah it is uh and it's and and i think we talked about it then but just the idea of like you know obviously it takes place on christmas it's about you know about a dad trying to get the best gift for his kid i'm like oh my god this it's all about like commercialization and it ends in a mall you know they're running amok in (laughs) a mall that's right uh so it's great. It's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, there are th- things here and there. We talked about it. You know, if you want, you really want to hear my thoughts on Gremlins and all of our thoughts, go back to that episode. But uh, it's it's a great, fun, very dark, twisted Christmas movie. I gotta have him. He's incredible. Say what I'll do. I'll give you a hundred dollars for him. No. Look, I've gotta have him. It's a present for my son for Christmas. It's exactly what I've been looking for, and I've been everywhere. I'll give you $200. That's $200. I'm sorry. Mogwai, not for sale. My number eight is uh, a movie that, that um, you know, similar to your experience with uh, White Christmas, Jason, this came in, you know, movie came into my life, you know, very recently. And became, you know, a Christmas staple. Not really a Christmas movie because it covers a year in the life of this family, but enough of it takes place on Christmas or around Christmas that it is often on these Christmas movie lists. I think you can call it a Christmas movie. It's Meet Me in St. Louis or Meet Me in St. Louis if you don't like saying the word Louis. Uh, And it's uh, Vincente Minnelli and and, uh, Judy Garland's in it. It is about this family. It's very much, you know, 
are what when's the world's fair coming the boy next door it's very sort of you know these 40s sort of simple family plot but the music is great and you get you know the terrific terrific um uh judy garland performance of uh um have yourself a merry little christmas and you get an incredible performance by margaret o'brien as the littlest sister Tootie, the original Tootie, not Kim Fields. <laughs> oh my Kim God. Fields is not in this movie. She, she, <sighs> Margaret O'Brien is fantastic as Tootie. See it for only that reason, because she is she she will win your heart and she will make you laugh and cry. And she's one of she's one of the child stars of this era of the 40s. And she's still alive. She's still with us. Excuse me, Mr. Neely, but it's pronounced St. Louis. Is it now? I got a cousin spells it the same way. We call him Louie. He's not a city, though, is he? No. Is he a saint? Uh, no. Then there's no comparison. God bless you, Margaret O'Brien. If you listen to the podcast, please call in. <laughs> so so your favorite you. was the Tootie Roll. Fuck off. Uh, number seven is Die Hard. We have hey. talked about this one at length in our Die Hard episode. I think it is a Christmas movie. Uh, I, uh, you know, people who say that it's not, it happens on Christmas. There's Christmas things in it. His wife is on a plane. It's Christmas. No, she's not on a plane. That's in the second one. But his, <laughs> life, his, her, his wife is in peril and it's Christmas and it's a freaking Christmas movie. So get over it. Get over your problems with it. Is it does it celebrate Christmas? No. Alan Rickman falls out of a thing. Merry Christmas. As my friend Ben said the other day, I was asking him because I was actually on my. It's it's not, but it was. I was going back and forth between Die Hard and Gremlins. Right. And I just I didn't want to have it. I always, I'm the guy that always has a tie. I'm like I don't want to have a tie. Although I, I might actually have a tie anyway. But my, as my friend Ben said, he was like, you know what. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Thank Die you. Hard's not a Christmas movie. Die Hard can be whatever you fucking want because Die Hard is fucking awesome. <laughs> You're so, right. there you You're go. Right. You're right about that. Fred, what's your number seven? Well, I feel it in my fingers. <gasps> I feel it in my toes. <laughs> yes. No, that doesn't do. I have to do it like this. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. I've been singing that constantly lately. Love Actually. Yeah. I just flipped things actually. That was that was lower down. I just flipped it with another movie, which you'll find out in a second. Ooh, just a just now. Just now. You're hearing this is happening right now. I'm like Bill Murray at the end of Scrooge. It's off the cuff. I'm switching you're shit around. You're just, you're just, you're just riffing. riffing. Yeah, I'm just riffing. I'm just going with it. You're keeping it keeping uh, on yeah. toes. Keeping this on. was a movie that I never saw until the podcast. I know. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was so much fun. I'm actually I can't wait to watch it again. I want to watch it again. Yay. I don't again I I talking about it with the kids uh, the martin freeman porn stuff that's the only thing that's making me think maybe not but i uh, think they can get over that but it's just uh, it's it's that, that storyline is one of the most charming and sweet in the whole sweet movie. but it's very i adult. agree if yeah. only it didn't start with him behind her naked yeah. pretending to mount her well you know right. it's I, a I lot to explain well you can just stand you can just stand in front of the screen when you know that's coming up and be like that's Look, true just listen to the words Listen to the words like an old radio play. <laughs> I think at this um, point they see the starts the exact same way, just so you know. <laughs> people mounting each other and going, meet, M-E-A-T, me. Oh, boy. In Taint, Louis. Oh, it's a different movie. Oh, my I'm God. 
Talk about the tootie roll. You son of a bitch. My number seven? Uh, yeah, you were right, Dan. Gremlins. Yeah, Yay. it's my number seven. Ooh, uh, I thought it would have been higher. Yeah, no, it's my only... Um, oh. This takes that slot, like like you say, Fred. You know, there's there's kind of like the, for me, the, like the slot, the unconventional Christmas movie slot, right? That uh-huh. could have been Die Hard, could have been. You know, a lot of people say Batman Returns. I'm such a big Batman fan. Batman Returns is that's not on a your Christmas list? movie. No, I'm spoiler. I'm, I'm shocked. Batman I Returns thought that was going to be on there. Oh wow, I'm shocked too. I can't speak. Uh, yes, Gremlins. We've talked about it at length. Uh, I've talked about it at length. It was, you know, it, for me, it, it, you know, and I and I love conventional Christmas movies. But again, at that age and being a seventh grader who is like really getting into Mad Magazine and liked, you know, kind of the warped funhouse vision of of everything at that time you know i always like to see like what's the 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 parody the spin um it was it was kind of the perfect uh parody the perfect turning inside out of the 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 uh the the generic christmas movie the frank Uh, capra thing yeah yeah the whole frank capra thing being turned on its head but uh it was actually capra and throwing it into a blender yeah pretty much literally yeah (laughs) it was uh and it's actually uh uh you know, we talk about like the, the finding the perfect Christmas gift for your child. It was my perfect Christmas gift when it oh. came out on video in 1985. And at that time, VHS tapes, they were not you couldn't get a, a new movie didn't come out for twenty dollars. It cost a hundred dollars if you wanted wow. to buy right. Gremlins or Ghostbusters, which came You're out wow. on the same day. It was like sometime in like October, November of 85. And I was like, I know this is crazy. But this is the top of my wish list for Christmas. And and yeah, sure enough, got gremlins on Christmas Eve. Mm, and I remember literally taking the you know, t- taking the packaging off and just smelling the box, smelling the VHS box. And I was like, oh, God, it's so good. I own gremlins now. I own gremlins. Oh. Made me so happy. Anyway, yes, love gremlins, of course. Number seven for me. My number six, you guys, are. Good. this is going to be the the one where you're like, you throw me off the podcast. You hate me. You hate everything I stand for. I don't belong here. I will defend this movie to my dying day. Blade Runner? Gremlins 2? Fred Claus. Oh, I hear it. I've seen clips of it. It's fantastic. It's what I've seen. Fan fucking fantastic. Yeah. It it died a, a horrible death at the box office when it came out in 2007. No, it's fun. It is, uh, it, but it's becoming, I think it's slowly becoming a holiday classic. And it's one it that is. I saw in the theater. I like oh. literally, I walked out of another movie. There was, I, I think I went to see the Golden Compass or something and I was like, ugh, I didn't like it. And I was <laughs> like, and I walked out and I was like, well, what the hell else is playing? What else can I watch? And uh, I went and saw Fred Claus and I was like, oh my God, I love this. And it had gotten bad Ah. reviews and it wasn't doing well at the box office. And I was like, and it is tonally, it's jarring. It's kind of all over the map. It's one of those movies that maybe like Scrooge, like doesn't, you're like, what the director doesn't know if it wants to be, because it's the same director as Wedding Crashers. And it was like his next collaboration with Vince Vaughn. And so you're like, sometimes it feels like it wants to be that kind of comedy. And sometimes it feels like it wants to be a really like a Tim Allen Santa Claus movie, very slapsticky and and silly sound effects. And then mm-hmm. you get a really, really sharp portrait of 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 sibling 
dynamics and relationships. You know, Fred Claus is the brother of Santa Claus, played by Paul Giamatti, who gives a fantastic performance. Yeah. And and Vince Vaughn is lovely in it, has like a, a beautiful arc in it. Their scenes together are gorgeous. Kevin Spacey, we talk about Kevin Spacey. Yes, and he's, his, in, yeah. he's in it and he's fantastic as yeah. this kind of uh, efficiency expert who comes to the North right. Pole. And the straight-laced who, guy. To, yeah. A straight-laced guy who comes in and kind of gives Santa three strikes and closes down the North Pole. Silly villain <laughs> part, right? But you find out he has an axe to grind with Santa because of a childhood slight. Yes. And, it, and it's really it's it's all about sibling relationships, but it's also about how there are no bad kids. There are no naughty kids. There shouldn't mm. be a naughty and nice list that children should not be. I mean, it's making it's it's, it's going to make me tear up just talking about it. You've got to watch this movie if you haven't. And a lot of scenes are perfection and a lot of scenes are silly. You have to overlook some of the silly to get to the, the heart of it. But the heart is really beautiful. What is wonderful? Well, that you take such an interest in your brother's well-being. Well, I mean, of course you do. I'm sure he does the same for you. Well, Clark, you ever seen a tree that grows in the shadow of another tree? It's all puny and misshapen because it's just bending and twisting, trying so desperately to get some sunlight. If somebody just cut off a few feet of that big tree, that little tree could have grown up strong. But no, that's not the way life works, right? Okay, yes, so this is my number six. So uh, some of the movies are not necessarily uh, Christmas movies, but I was just trying to think of holiday movies, and this is a movie that's really about holidays, but it's more than that, it's about families. This movie I love, it's not really a traditional holiday movie, but the more I thought about it, I thought, well, this is a movie that I would actually love to watch on the holidays. It's Barry Levinson's Avalon. Yay. Uh, I love this movie so much. And this movie, anytime it comes on, I will watch it and it's all about family and it's about traditions and it, you know, it, it spans, you know, it's, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, but it spans the life of this family through generations along a young, um, Elijah Wood is in it. Yes. Uh, Aiden Quinn, uh, Armin Mueller Stahl, uh, Kevin Pollock's in it. It's, it's beautiful. And it's just, you know, about an immigrant family coming to America. It's also about how television sort of has taken over, the American family, mm-hmm. but you see this family going through the various holidays and, you know, 4th of July, Hanukkah, and one of the biggest mm. ones that there's several scenes, it's Thanksgiving and there's a very big climactic scene with Lou Jacoby who's in it yes. where the family splinters because you cut the turkey, you cut the turkey before we got, and Great scene. whenever I think of Thanksgiving, I think of that scene mm. and my, my dad <laughs> would always say it, we would always say that line, you know, it's, um, but it's about... <laughs> That's what the holidays are about families and traditions and coming together. And, you know, uh, the, the kids, you know, there's these wonderful scenes of, of a young Elijah Wood and, and, and his cousin, like running off, you know, going under the tables and, you know, while the, while the adults are doing their things and talking about business, they're playing marbles or lighting things on fire and just all that stuff you remember as a kid about the families getting together and all the different relations coming to one, you know, spot to sell celebrate uh, and just being together. So it's, it's a wonderful, beautiful, sprawling, very sad movie. I mean, the ending is really, really sad, but, uh, but lovely too. Mm. So Barry Levinson's Avalon.
I love it. Six and five are both movies from 1947. Number six is The Bishop's Wife, hey. uh, directed by Henry Coster or Coaster. Uh, I love this movie. It's uh, Cary Grant and it's uh, Loretta Young, who's beautiful and wonderful and heartfelt and wonderful. And she, and she is married to uh, the local pastor played by David Niven. And uh, Cary Grant comes in and he's an angel and he's going to fix <laughs> fix all the problems uh, that they have. And he's trying to get this church built. David Niven is. And uh, um, Taylor introduced me to this movie. I had never seen it. I've never seen the remake with Denzel Washington, uh, the preacher's wife. But yeah. um, this movie is uh, you get such an I mean, it is Cary Grant at the height of his powers, I think, because he's just so easy breezy through this thing. He's so like. Well, I'm an angel and I'm here to help you, you know, and he's, he's just <laughs> very, very just he has an ease about him. Yeah. You just feel like you're in such good hands with him. You huh. feel cared for, you know. Angels come down and put ideas into people's heads and then people feel very proud of themselves because they think it was all their own idea. Um, so see the Bishop's wife. If you've never seen it, it's a, it's a, yeah, I've never seen it. I, I gotta be honest. I've never even heard of it. Oh. When you oh, mentioned you, it, I'm like, don't you mean the preacher's wife? Cause ah. I was thinking of the, the remake. Number five, again from 1947, a Christmas, truly a Christmas classic, Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah. Um, you get it. You get an Oscar winning performance by Ed, Edmund Gwen as uh, as Santa Claus. And uh, you get um, terrific child performance from our favorite from Meteor, Natalie Wood. Sweet Natalie Wood. She's Sweet amazing, Natalie yeah. Wood. And the incredible Maureen O'Hara, who's a, 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 a classic star of this era. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think there's a thing wrong with this movie. I mean, there's, there's some, there's some muggery, there's some forties muggery in there, especially yeah. from, I don't know if I've ever seen it start <gasps> to finish. Oh, okay. Oh. You, well then, then you're yeah. in for a treat it's because amazing. you I'm know the basic plot of it. Yeah. I mean, you, you, yeah, I know it, the basic plot. Yeah. Yeah, so I, that was one of those movies where it was on all the time. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I think I'd rather watch March of the Wooden Soldiers. Yeah. yeah. Frank, <laughs> your kids haven't seen it? No. Ben has he even seen it? Oh. No, no. I Edmund wonder if Glenn, they would like it. I, I, I think they might love it. I think they might. Or maybe it's just might. too old fashioned for them. Well, but. maybe, you know, but but the part of it is you have to buy into like the 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 mythos of it of of okay, is he Santa or is he actually a little bit mad? Is he a little off? You know, is is he could he be both? You know, and, and uh, yeah, that's the that's big a, question of the great. movie. And really it comes down to faith. It really comes down to belief yeah. and it comes down to, you know, what, what, uh, uh, sort of seeing this story through the eyes of a child. And that's, you can't help my favorite thing. And our favorite thing that we do, we do around here all the time. My wife and I is when he starts to sing in, um, I, I if I'm not mistaken, if I'm getting this right, he sings in Dutch. Yes, I think yes, to, the, Dutch, to the to little, the to the little girl. girl, and he's like Santa Claus kombucha, yaka, yaka, yaka. and he's like sings in her <laughs> I don't language. Think it's kombucha. I think it's he ka- says ka- he's saying he's trying to sell her kombucha, <laughs> which is a drink. <laughs> That helps you with your digestive system. Yeah, and he, says, and he does a great job. And that's because Macy's was trying to push it that Christmas. And yeah, uh, trying, they're really kind of pushing the kombucha no, it is very a, hard. It is a very moving scene when he sings Oh my God, him. I cry all the time when I see that. I told her you wouldn't be able to speak to her. But when she saw you in the parade yesterday, she said you were Santa Claus, as she calls you. And you could talk to her. Well, I didn't know what to do. Hello, it been blade that you're Hakuman bent. Oh, Ben Cinder Claus. Yes, I guess 
Sinterklaas Kapuntje, geef het in mijn schoentje, geef het in mijn laarsje. Dank u Sinterklaasje. Number five. The class combo. I'm sorry. This is me? Number yeah, five? number five. Okay, number five is, it's. I guess it is sort of a tie, and it's going against uh, what you, your parameters, damn it. I'm sorry. And oh, not that I love them, that doesn't but it's a tie for the entire Peanuts holiday collection. Again, for all holidays, it's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, and a Charlie Brown <laughs> yeah. Christmas. More, not so much for the movies themselves, which are lovely. They're a little weird. They are. There's some, there's a little strange. It's for what they represented and mostly not even the movies. We've talked about this on the podcast before. One of the, the most exciting and important songs of our childhoods. <laughs> that CBS special. Yeah, it said it was the holidays. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you holidays. I think you mentioned it on. You know, it might have been uh, the, the Star the Wars holiday. No, the Star Wars holiday special episode. It, it might have been that yeah. one. Yeah, that we talked yeah. about. Like when that came on, it meant so, the, the implications were like holiday vacation. Yes. something yes. good is coming. Yep. That's right. So, like when I think of the holidays. Whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or Halloween or the Charlie Brown Simchatora special, whatever that only aired once, little known, but it did air once. Uh, it's it's that it's those that's why Schroeder of the, was Jewish. Is that not yeah. correct? <laughs> he was yes. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, Lubavitch. But just when I think of the holidays, any holidays, I think of Charlie Brown. But I think of what precedes Charlie Brown and that CBS spinning logo and just everything that it meant. Let's just say that your number five is the CBS spinning logo. (laughs) That's pretty much what it is. On a two hour loop. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, the excitement. I feel the (laughs) semen in Seattle already. Oh, Oh, Jesus. God, God. You just ruined Christmas for us all. But But we'll fix fix it. Hugh Mariah Carey, that'll fix it. (laughs) I don't want a lot. She fixes everything or ruins she does. it. Do, do, no. do, do kids have any, do, do they have anything like that today where it's like, hey, you get, you're about to see something special and new and creative and it, no, it's going to mean much. the holiday. Like, There's nothing like that, right? There's anymore? too much and kids know it's not, you know, you don't really watch TV. You can watch stuff on YouTube and, you know. Yeah, the, everything's at your TikTok fingertips and, and there's, yeah. you know, and you can, and there's such a glut of content you know that you could never yeah i you know i miss the days of like three networks and everybody's watching the same you know it's like oh did you watch happy days or did you watch blah and there were only like a couple of choices and the whole country was watching kind of the same thing at the same time and getting their news from the same sources which is very important now too you know like that's uh, it's uh, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but there is something lost. There's really, in all we've gained, you know, and all we have access to. There's something that's lost. Uh, a communal nothing thing special. That, nothing uh, special anymore. No, no, oh, the hell nothing with like it. Who cares about the rest of this CBS list? logo. You know what? But you know what can put magic back into your heart? My number five, which has already been mentioned, Elf. Elf. Yay. It's, Yay. A, it's a fantastic movie. I mean, it really is. We talk about the disjointedness of, of Scrooge or 
or, or Fred Claus, like I said, where it's like, you know, to, to have like, to have a, 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 a contemporary comedic star, you know, at, at the center of a, a holiday movie like that, it's, it's such a winning formula and it's, you know, is, is such a staple of so many of these movies, like a, a great comedian front and center, but, but comedy is edgy comedy, you know, is, uh, uh, trying to upend the status quo. Uh, comedy is usually not, you know, um, you know, the warm fuzzies and sh- sh- schmaltz and, and don't we all feel good about ourselves at the end? You know, the comedy has an edge and, and especially, you know, you, it, it it's hard to strike the balance across the board Very. that you, that you're, yeah. you're looking to strike when you hire like a, a star like Bill Murray or Vince Vaughn or whoever to, to be the center of a, a movie like this. But Will Ferrell is perfect because of the innocence of Buddy the Elf. He's just, yeah. he's one of the few comedians who can, who can take sweetness and make it as funny as snark. Am I sick? Yeah, but that's not what we're here. We're here to do a test. Come on. What, what kind of test? Just a test to find out if you're my son or not. Why am I sitting on paper? Because it's sanitary for the other patients. Now sit still so I can do the finger prick. <gasps> finger prick? <gasps> it's cold. Yeah, just please sit still, please. Okay, can I listen to your necklace? No, you can't. Can you just sit still? Why is there a skeleton? I don't know. What, Walter, if I could, swim, you please, looks like a pirate could you please have him sit Does still so I can do no, this? No, he hasn't got a name. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Would you please sit still? Please. He got mad at me. Yes, he did. He need a man child kind of. I mean, you yeah. really drew. Yeah. And he, you truly, he is one. He has he always tr- been one. He truly is. And even though he can go like, you know, he can go the other direction, like in Blades yeah. of Glory and other stuff. There, <laughs> he can access, yeah, the the innocence and the na- naivete he accesses so beautifully in a way that I can't really imagine a lot of these other guys doing. I just can't. I can't. I don't know that you'd buy it, and you buy it so you buy it so fully with him and uh, John Favreau just has such a sure hand and just knows what he wants to do and the story he wants to tell and the tone he wants to strike. And it's really, yeah, I think it's, it's perfect. And, and it is, it's Farrell like at his, I mean, this was like the star making moment. I mean, he was a star from Saturday night live and then old school, he was like on the rise, but this was just perfect. And the fact that it's like, you know, what you call like a four quadrant movie, you know, it, it appeals to both sexes. It appeals to all ages, you know, right. um, even more than, you know, Anchorman the next year was very niche, but it's also, you know, it's another great performance and it probably Anchorman and Elf are probably his, you know, his twin pillars there, you know, yeah. in the, in the mid aughts, but yeah. Anchorman came out after Elf. Yeah. Oh, out. I always thought it was before. No, it's the mm. summer after. This was oh, Christmas 2003, and that was summer 2004. But yeah, it was kind of a double whammy and very different tones, obviously, and different styles of humor. But anyway, so yes, Elf number five, my number four, Miracle on 34th Street from 1947. Oh, you said it all. Edmund Gwynn is the, the perfect Santa Claus. I didn't remember that he had won an Oscar, but it makes perfect sense. He is He is Santa Claus. And every other... I mean, he looks... He looks like the the paintings, like the the Coca Cola yes. painting. He of looks Santa like old timey Santa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just he's he's perfect, and it is the whole movie has like uh is is has a, a great kind of nostalgia for old New York, and it's kind of sassy and streetwise, and it's got you know I I, I that has it has yeah. a it has an edge to it too, but it's really you know what you say like all about 
Uh, it's all about faith ultimately. And you never quite know, is he Santa Claus or not? And the movie just walks a beautiful line and yeah. never really answers it. And it's kind of whatever your perspective is. It's like a, mm-hmm. it's like a Rorschach test. Whatever you see in it is what you see. You know, you come away with it at the end saying, absolutely he's santa or he's just a wonderful old man who makes us believe in the spirit of christmas whatever it is for you um miracle on 34th street uh, delivers so that's my number four fred my number four is a strange one and again it's not a christmas movie i think of this movie uh as a thanksgiving movie blade runner (laughs) the godfather (gasps) What? what 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 the godfather is a thanksgiving tradition Oh, for us. And it started uh, when I first started to date Kate, my wife. Uh, we would go to her parents' home on Long Island. And for whatever reason, The Godfather was always on wow. TV on Thanksgiving. I don't know if it was on or if they they would put it on, but it's just one of those movies when I think of Thanksgiving, I know it's weird. I think of The Godfather and I think of, I mean, it is about family, different well, type of family. Yeah, there you go. But for me, it's about, that's more of a personal tradition that's nice. for us. And we don't watch it as much anymore, but it was always, whenever we go over there, it was just always on. Nice. And uh, so, yeah, when I think of Thanksgiving, like the movie that always pops in my head is like, oh, we got to watch The Godfather. That's, that's when you great. think of Thanksgiving, you think of people killing each other and revenge. Think of Luca Brasi being choked. Right. And, and uh, uh, yeah, the gun behind the, the toilet, because you always put a gun behind the toilet at uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. And you and, always uh, take the cannoli. And that's the important thing. Right. Yeah. You always take the last cannoli. Have you ever had a tur- turducken, in, but the, the outer layer is a horse's head? Have you ever had? <laughs> is there any other way to have it? Well, that's what I'm asking. <gasps> <sighs> That's great. Who is it? Is it me? Yeah, it's you, Danny. Four oh, okay. and three. Oh, four. Four is my favorite version of A Christmas Carol. It's the one from 1951 starring Alistair Sim and directed by uh, Brian Desmond Hurst. It is my favorite. Ver- it, it was um, released uh, here as A Christmas Carol. It was released in England as simply Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how you get better than Alistair Sim. Uh, I, I know that. You know, people like uh, Michael Caine's uh, very much in the Muppet in the Muppet one, and I certainly very much like George C. Scott's one and and uh, uh, Patrick Stewart's. And you know, there's there's um, a million of them out there. I don't like the one from the '30s very much. I forget who plays Scrooge in that one. It's not very good. I've not seen the Jim Carrey one. I have not seen that one. Um, and then of course there's the Albert Finney one, which is the musical. They're all great, you know, in their own way, but. I don't know how you get better than, you know, than Alistair Sim. His face is Scrooge's face to me. Mm. Um, that sort of long sunken, you know, world weary face. And his what I like best about what Alistair Sim is doing is his slow, steady progression. You just buy it. You just buy it every step of the way because he has humanized Scrooge so deeply and the pain underneath it and his enjoyment of his greed is all just sort of baked into to what he's doing. And uh, the supporting cast around him is great. Um, and the payoff is uh, magnificent yeah, at the end. He's amazing. He's, he's amazing. truly um, his laugh, elevated. his laugh of joy when he's his oh my God. his joy is just so palpable at the end. It's really, yeah, he's wonderful. He is wonderful. I I, I don't know what to do. I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as as an angel. 
I'm as merry as a schoolboy. <laughs> I'm as giddy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. I, I never... <laughs> a merry Christmas, Ebenezer. <laughs> you old humbug. Um, number three is Love Actually. Yeah. Uh, I really, really love this movie. It's another, yet another one that my wife introduced me to. I hadn't seen it before she introduced me to it. Um, you know, uh, uh, Emma Thompson, what, what more do you need? You know, I mean, you should, this is a great cast top to bottom. You have incredible people in it, but she's the heart and the soul in the center of the movie for me. Uh, and I always come back to sort of to, to her story and her journey and her um, you know, her heartbreak and her forgiveness ultimately. And, and, uh, uh, I just love, uh, I love everything about what she's doing. Um, but the whole movie works, everything about it works. It's all, it's so funny. It's so heartwarming and, uh, it is adult, you know, it's an adult Christmas movie, I think, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, certainly when kids reach a certain age, they'll be able to handle some of the more adult things in it. Fred, number three. You've both spoken about it, so I don't have much to add. Elf. I love Elf. It's great. I saw it when it first came out, um, and I remember Jon Favreau talking about how he wanted to make his very own A Christmas Story, a movie that would be shown over and over again. I remember I liked it, and I'm like, well, yeah, it was good. I don't know if it's that, but very much like I've said about Anchorman, which which the first time I saw it, I was like, it's okay. Then I saw it again. I'm like, it's brilliant. Then the third time I saw it, I'm like, this is the greatest comedic performance I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) I feel the same way about Elf, and I love it. And, you know, I liked it when I first saw it. Uh, Hi, this is Buddy. What's your favorite color? Howled with laughter, screaming laughter. That was the moment where, like, I'm like, all right, I'm in. You got me, Will. Um, And I love it. My kids love it. And it's, it's one of those things where we will... Just put it on and let it play around the holidays. Yeah. That's great music. And you you guys said it all. He's he's irrepressible yeah. in it, Will Ferrell. It's a tour de force comedic performance. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. Uh, my number three is a three-way tie. Oh, Jesus. Of Christmas carols. Because Christmas <gasps> carol is the most adapted, oh. you know. And I, I love my, you know, it's, it's not number one, but I mean, you can't beat... Scrooge and a Christmas Carol. You can't beat that character. You can't beat that story. It is perfection. And I'm glad you talked about Alistair Sim because I love Alistair Sims. And at one point, this was a five-way tie, uh, Mm -hmm. including Alistair Sim uh, on one end of the spectrum and uh, the animated Jim Carrey version on the other, which I do love. And I think it is excellent. It does have that weird... it. It does have that weird uncanny valley shit that Robert Zemeckis can't Avoid. I think it's the most successful of those movies. Polar Express is impossible to watch. Uh, Beowulf is 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 weird too. So weird looking. Christmas Carol is weird, but it's kind of it's so richly detailed, and it's such a great adaptation in terms of you know how much it includes that I had never really seen before in other versions. It actually has a there's a lot a lot of detail that I don't see in a lot of. uh, Christmas Carol adaptations and, and Jim Carrey is great. Uh, but those aren't on, those aren't part of my three-way tie. My three-way tie is Scrooged, a Muppet Christmas Carol. It's an unexpectedly vital retelling of that story. And and Michael Caine is pretty perfect as Scrooge. And he, and he's brilliant because he plays the whole movie as if he was, this is his, this is his Scrooge. This is his Oscar bid for Ebenezer Scrooge. He's not playing opposite puppets. He's no, playing he's doing opposite it for characters. Real. He's You're fucking right. great. But I think my favorite is George C. Scott. Uh, 
yeah. from 1984. And uh, it was a TV movie here in the States, but it was released theatrically in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting because he is an American Scrooge in a British production surrounded yeah, by Brits. You're right. But I think he's brilliant. I, and and like uh, and a, like Alistair Sim, he has my favorite Scrooge laugh. I, I, I was light. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as made as a schoolboy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. Merry Christmas to everybody. And a happy new year to the world. That's uh, my number three, that three-way tie. And my number two, I won't say much about it because you guys both mentioned it. And actually, I got to but I will say this. Right before we started, I was like, am I going to swap this for number one? Because oh. I think I know what all of our number ones are or might be. <laughs> and I was like, maybe, maybe this is my number one because it is the one I watch the most every year. And I do love it with all my heart and soul, but I'm going to keep it at number two. Love actually. I think it's, it's perfect. It's an incredibly ambitious movie and it's, it's like, it's not about Christmas, but it's completely about Christmas. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's about love, right. And it takes place at Christmas, but it's the, 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 the spirit, the spirit of Christmas and what's important at at Christmas. What we always say is like Christmas is when it's a time for being honest with yourself, being honest with others, making big, big gestures, big leaps, you know, and telling the people you love that you love them. I realize that as dire chance and, and, and fateful cock up would have it, here I am, mid fifties. And without knowing it, I've gone and spent most of my adult life with a, with a chubby employee. <laughs> And, and much as it grieves me to say it, it, it might be that the people I love is, in fact, you. Well, this is a surprise. Yeah. My number two, and yes, I think my guess is that our number ones all might be the same, which would make things easier. Yeah. Uh, my number two, which was almost going to be number one, but I'm going to make it, I'm going to keep it in number two. A Christmas Story. Yeah. You guys mentioned it. It's just the best. I don't think there's a better Christmas movie. I mean, the movie that's my number one, I like for other reasons, but I don't think there's, for me, for my money, and again, I haven't seen as many as you guys. I saw it, yeah, when it opened as well, and I loved it. I thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. Uh, My friend Josh and I saw it together, and um, I love it. I will gladly, yeah, I love that it's on 24 hours a day. I'll gladly just (laughs) keep it on, and I can come in at any point. That's one of those movies where we just constantly in our home, we're just constantly saying, you want some milk? We're constantly just saying lines, <laughs> random lines from that movie. We love it. Kate loves it. You know, that was one of those movies that when we first met that bonded us, her family loves it. It's it's a perfect Christmas movie. Yeah. It's exactly what you said, Jason. It's just that idea of what it's like to be a kid. You're full of it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like double dog dare you. No, it was serious. A double dog dare. What else was left but a triple dare you? And finally, the coup de grace of all dares, the sinister triple dog dare. I triple dog dare you! Hmm. Schwartz created a slight breach of etiquette by skipping the triple dare and going right for the throat. 
Now, did either of you ever try to stick your tongue to the telephone telephone pole? No, I was too scared. No, because I didn't want to turn out to be a, a porn actor like uh, Scotty Schwartz. <laughs> I knew that's what happens if you do that. He stuck exactly. his tongue to something else. <gasps> and it stuck. And it's First your, your tongue gets stuck, then you end up buying Richard Pryor, then you end up doing porn. That's right, he's the kid with order. the toy on top of it. Look, he bought oh, Richard yeah, Pryor yeah. first, let's get that straight. <laughs> he, he bought Richard Pryor in 1982, and then he said, I'm going to lick a pole in 1983. Oh. And the rest <laughs> is history. Um, Danny, what's your number two oh, before we God. all talk about our our number one, <laughs> our, our shared number one, I think. My number two is John Landis's Trading Places. Oh, right. Of course. I oh, yeah. I knew that was going to be on your list. Trading yes. Places. Again, it's one of those movies like a Die Hard or like a Meet Me in St. Louis where you go, is it a Christmas movie? It's on some oh, Christmas yeah. movie list, but I love it as a Christmas movie because, you know, you, you <laughs> if, no, if for no other reason, the scene where Dan Aykroyd is drunkenly on the bus trying to eat an entire salmon through his filthy, filthy, filthy Santa beard in his full Santa getup. That's <laughs> if, what, what's better in a Christmas movie than that? Nothing. Merry New Year! You know, it it is about heart. It is about giving. It's about being good uh, to each other. It's about finding your inner um, uh, good person. It's a little bit about revenge. So maybe that makes it not about Christmas. It's about getting what's yours, you know, and and saying, you know, screw these guys who've been screwing everyone else uh, throughout their whole lives and throughout the movie. Um, But, uh, you know, they're sort of Scrooge figures who uh, who get their comeuppance in the end. And uh, I love it as a Christmas movie. And it is. Uh, a, a movie that makes me laugh so hard every time I see it. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a perfect, to me, it's like a perfect comedy. Um, and uh, I guess I have to move on to my number one, right? Yeah. Can well, we all just say it at the same time? Sure I think it's all, all going to be. Should we all say it at the same time? Okay. In three, two, one. Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Oh, we all did that so well. It's that almost like good. we planned it. That's really that good. It was really good. <sighs> no, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful Zuzu's petals. Zuzu's petals. And there they are. What a big one. A big one. You oh. once called me a warped, frustrated <laughs> old man. Well, what are you? Buffalo you gals, won't you come out tonight? Won't you come out tonight? I'll lasso the moon for you. You want the moon? I, <laughs> I don't remember that part of the movie that Jason was just doing. Yeah, what? Buffalo gals, don't you come out tonight? No, the way the you did. I did oh. it beautifully. I sang you it really did. melodically. I'm you sorry. Again, my booming baritone is reaching around to the other side of the mic and giving you a Christmas you'll never forget. I'm stuffing your stocking. And wrapping my package. Now listen. Come on, Christmas. Uh, what is the name of this movie? It's, it's, it's a, a wonderful, wonderful life. Christmas time in hell. You know the first time I saw it? When? Was it Hofstra? My <gasps> freshman year, I'd never seen it before. You're kidding. And they were playing it at the theater, and I went with Pete. Pete <gasps> Giambava was like, you got to go. Oh. I've never seen it. So my first time seeing it was on the big screen. And when that snow starts to fall at the end on the bridge, oh my God. that was the first. I was telling my, my oh son my Ben today, we we're having a catch. We we're talking about, you know, I was asking him what would be on his list. Yes. And I said, it was the first time I openly cried in a movie theater. Oh. Wow. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's great. And I love it. I, I watch it every year. It's because oh, yeah. you know he's going to be okay now. You just know it. You know, you just know. It's like. 
Yeah. He's been saved. He's been reborn. But it took been, me like I, it took me by surprise yeah. when I of first course, saw it. Of course, in the it's a beautiful. Yeah. Movie. It's so and simple it, and beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Your brother Harry Bailey broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. You see, George. You really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? There are very few perfect things out there in the world. It's a wonderful life is a perfect thing. It really is. Is there anything, any moment wrong in it or wrongheaded or it takes the wrong direction or steps in the right way? I mean, I mean, you, you just every relationship in it, it builds a town. It builds a town. This movie, you care about every single person. You care about Mr. Gower. You care about oh. Vi. You care about, you know, I mean, we it, have Ernie and Bert Ernie because and Bert. of this movie. You care about yeah. them, you know, and you care about um, his dad, his sweet, sweet dad and oh, yeah. freaking Uncle Billy. You want to strangle him, but you care about him, you know, and uh, and Eustace and all the people. That's the first Eustace. The first time I ever heard the name Eustace is the guy <laughs> who works at the ba- at the building and loan. And, um, you know, uh, uh, is there any human more beautiful than Donna Reed in this movie. Mm. I mean, oh, she's, I mean she's just, she's incredible. So it's a perfect, I mean, talk about a perfect like Christmas gift. It is the, it's a perfect movie. I don't, Alfalfa's in it. Goddamn Alfalfa's yeah. freaking in it. Yeah. Okay. And the pool it's scene. Perfect. I remember I the first time. don't have anything bad to say about it. No. I, the first time I saw it, I remember it very vividly. I think it was seventh grade. I think my grandfather, we were putting up the Christmas tree Mm-hmm. And it was it was on PBS. This is before it was right. Became you so see ubiquitous. It, all the time. it was yeah. before it, the, it, you know, the copyright or whatever, you know, it, it had lapsed yeah. and then you could watch it 10 times a day. Yeah. But it was on uh, it was on PBS after <laughs> it was literally after a um, there was a special on the uh, the creature effects for Return of the Jedi. It had been that had been a. a <laughs> remember that yeah, yeah. that had been an hour-long thing of you know they did all these kind of making of the star wars movies and that was on and it was part of a thanksgiving or holiday weekend kind of pledge drive it was like the channel 13 pledge drive yes uh, yes and they, I remember showed, this they too. showed that they I remember were like this too. they were like we're showing the star wars special uh, please send us money and we'll give you a mm-hmm. tote bag and <laughs> I, I watched it and we're putting up the christmas tree and then right after that it said and then we're showing it's a wonderful life which i'd never really heard of and and I was about to change the channel. My grandpa was like, "No, you got to watch this. You've never seen this. You got to watch it." I was like, oh, "Ah, black yeah. and white. No, Jimmy Stewart. I'm not." Yeah. He's like, "Watch it, watch it." And we were putting up the tree, and we were almost done. And he's like, "No, you got to watch it." And I was like, oh, "Okay." And it drew me in so completely, and I I cried like a baby watching it then, and I I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I could, I, you know, and I loved. I had at that point I already knew and loved Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, but I was mm-hmm. like. I was like, there's no way you're going to get me to love two black and white movies about Christmas. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. I'm wrong. You're right. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, absolutely perfect. I watch it every year and it devastates me every time. And it's just so, you know, sometimes things are good. Sometimes things are easy. And sometimes your life just feels like it's just it's just, you're just getting kicked in the gut, in the side, in the ass. Like life is just. Bearing down on you and you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Everybody has days like that, years like that. 
And for a movie to to say no matter what's going on, life is worth living and you can't there you you don't know how many lives you've touched even on your worst day you don't know how how many people you've affected and how many people would miss you if you were gone i, I don't think there's anything more powerful no message yeah. more powerful than that and yeah you're alive and that has meaning your 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 liveness yeah. you know yeah counts for something it means something you yeah. know and and that's i mean that's that's kind of buddhist in a way you know i mean it's not even in this is a christmas movie and it's like no no hang on you're here and you're breathing and you're alive and there's blood pumping through your system and so yeah. that's that has meaning and that has value uh uh you know the 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 thing you said about your grandfather is so powerful jason and i think that that's a thing that people still do you know um i know my sister did it with her kids you know um of like no, no, this is not a thing you do while, you know, your first time seeing it. It's like you put down the phone, you, 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 you put down the other screens, you put the other distractions away and you're going to sit and watch this because it's required viewing for you because you're a human on earth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the way we, this feels. Yes. We watched it with the kids. Ben, Ben was uh, not in the mood to watch it when we watched it last year and he didn't want to watch it. And there was a bit of an argument about it. Mm -hmm. And at one point he came down halfway through and he said, what's going on? And I said, no, we're not doing this. I said, go, go back up to your room. Oh, I was like, come back. Cause I, cause for that reason, yeah, I was so like, you need to watch it from start to finish. Yes. It's one of those movies. And he hadn't uh, seen it yet. No, he was, you know, it was one of those things when yeah, you're of a certain it. Yeah. age and you're like, I don't want to sure. watch a black and white movie. You didn't want to do, you know, right. and we got into a little thing about it and yeah. I was like, well, you know what? We're going to watch it. It was me, Kate, and Izzy. Yeah. And it, he will watch it, you know, when he's ready sure, for it. But it was course. one of those things, exactly. I'm like, no, it, you gotta. Yeah. Same thing with Goodfellas, too. When we were watching, when I was rewatching Goodfellas, That's not right. to compare Goodfellas and It's a Wonderful Life, although I did put The Godfather on my, you know, top 10 <laughs> holiday list. It was the same thing. He was sort of in and out. I was like, no, like, no. When, like, don't worry about it. Play your Xbox. When you're ready, we'll sit down and watch this start. To finish, yes. you got to. What What okay. is your favorite moment from It's a Wonderful Life? Oh God, there's so 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 I many. Know. I mean, the end when uh, yeah. you know, and he's like, "Here's to my big brother George, the luckiest oh man." I mean, that's yeah. kills me every time. But I, yeah. you know, what I love? I love when Mr. Gower makes the realization. You know, and he's hitting him in the ear. Oh and my he's best. like, no, please don't hit him. That's my bad ear, Mr. Gower. And he yeah, realizes, like, oh God, oh no, 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 like that. That is it, Fred. Kills me. Gower, you don't know what you're doing. You put something wrong in those capsules. I know you're really me. You got the telegram and you're upset. You put something bad in those capsules. It wasn't your fault, Mr. Gower. Just look and see what you did. Look at the bottle you took the powder from. It's poison, I tell you, it's poison. I know you feel bad. Oh. Don't hurt my story again. Oh, no, Don't no, hurt no. my story again. Oh, George. <laughs> George. Oh, Mr. Gower, I would never oh. tell anyone. That kills me. That is gorgeous. That is perfect. Yeah. The look in his eyes when he realizes what he's just, oh, God. that he's yeah. just averted, God, he's you good. know, that, that he's, that kid saved him from killing a child. It's so yeah. beautiful. That is probably the great, the great moment, Fred. You're right. And the other little grace note, the, um, 
the end of his uh, the the banister railing, that little piece that just yeah. that keeps breaking off, and he keeps getting frustrated yeah. by it. And it's like ah, oh, this old house, this old house. And then when it comes off, and he, it's the sign that he's alive. The imperfection of his life oh, yes. is the That's is right. the is the proof that he's alive. And yeah. and so the imperfections are beautiful, and yeah. are the imperfections are perfect. And he kisses it. I I love the, that the little broken stuff. Yeah, yeah, his broken yeah. ear, his broken banister. Yeah, the broken exactly. stuff is what makes life. Exactly. His life worth living. Exactly. And, and, I can't and, hear out of my ear. That's how I know I'm yeah, alive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Isn't that something? My favorite moment, and it's a dark one, but it's the one that just is a gut punch, is when his mother does not recognize him. Oh, yeah. yeah. He goes to see his mother and she goes, you're a liar. You know, get out of here. Oh, oh my boy. God. It's like, Jesus Christ. You know, but yeah, no, I love all those moments, moments yeah. you guys are talking about too. And then when he... You know, when he's back alive again and sees Mary, um, that is an incredibly uh, moving yeah. moment. Yeah, to me. It's a, it's a beautiful, it's a perfect thing. It's a perfect it thing. Is. Yay, there Yay. we go. Top Yay. 10 holiday movies. Yay. Happy holidays, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> With a loving guarantee that even if we part, I will hold you close in a thankful heart. I will hold you close in a thankful heart. Thanks, everybody, for joining us uh, for our very, very special uh, holiday countdown episode of Opening Weekend. Next time, uh, we'll be back revisiting December 12th, 1974, and a powerhouse trio of crowd pleasers and classics maybe not all of them are classics but a couple of them are so that's pretty fucking good the towering inferno young frankenstein and the godfather part two that's all next time on can you believe those movies all came out the same week in december of 1974 they might be off by a couple of days like one one or two might have been released on a wednesday and then one on a friday or something but that week all those movies were released and we're gonna talk about them uh next time on opening weekend dan what you got for us to close out the special holiday edition? I think we got to do a little, put a little love in your the Godfather heart. theme. Yeah, well, we can do Godfather <laughs> yeah. theme for, in honor of Fred's list. Or we could do put a little love in your heart from Scrooge. What do you think <gasps> oh, of that? Scrooge. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Now, let's hit that a little bit. from there. Oh, oh that was amazing. Hugh Mariah Carey. <laughs> Opening Weekend Podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, 
with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. I've, I've appeared as, well, I shouldn't say I've appeared as Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart has appeared on our friend oh. Aaron McGuire's podcast, Dear Pod, uh, where where uh, he's he's talked about talks about a tea bagging. You ever hear tea bagging, oh, Mary? For the love of God! Where you, uh, you, I'll, I'll lasso the moon, and what what I'll do is you'll you'll lie down on the ground, you'll open your mouth, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll dip my balls in your mouth. We're cutting Mary? that. We're cutting it. <laughs>